Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the Conservative Conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. And these past two years, let me tell you, it's been nothing but news, 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 news. Uh, just been nonstop. And I've been following the news for quite some time now. There's always something, uh, but I've never seen so much where it's New development, new development, new development, new development. Um, and you know, I guess that's what uh, hopefully uh, draining the swamp. And, of course, even with something like this, uh, you know, security and looking at uh, the RFBI and uh, Department of Justice, God, e- even that is it's, it's everything so politicized. I was looking at uh, articles, of course, from different sides, and it's just amazing on uh, some of the things that are being omitted, such as I was – reading one of the articles in the opposition, and they're just totally ignoring uh, the fact of where, uh, you know, Steele, uh, where, where he was at. You know, they say, oh, you shit, you, because whoever you voted for, you can't discount uh, the information. Uh, but just uh, the vitriol he felt <laughs> towards Donald Trump um, and the, these articles that I was reading, just totally, just totally uh, ignoring uh not even bringing up, uh, you know, how's that? And the pot, you know, just what we're looking at is using uh, current government, using in the campaign for that matter, uh, using our institutions of investigation, federal investigation, uh, international <laughs> investigations uh, to be used uh, in that manner. Of course, uh, one of the things uh, I read Steele was saying it's like, oh my gosh, I see that I, I just felt like I just, I just had to get this out. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, I know I'm paraphrasing, of course. I'm not. I'm not quoting. Um, you know. Anyway, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and open up the lines. We've got some folks who are willing to chime in, and uh, I do see some a number of folks. And if you want to chime in about our topics tonight, which I guess I should have <laughs> mentioned them, uh, is of course we're going to talk about the the, the FISA 
uh, court the Pfizer memo, uh, namely the Grassley-Graham memo that recently came out. Of course, we're going to talk about something that I don't know if people have uh, heard or talked about much is the Adam Schiff. Of course, you know he's a mouthpiece for the Democrat Party uh, and his ties to George Soros. And then uh, folks like – I know uh, we probably could have gotten another hour or so uh, in our discussion of our commentary analysis of Trump's uh, first State of the Union address. If we were to continue that conversation, uh, we are welcome to do that as well. Uh, so we'll uh, continue that on. Uh, but first, I uh, see Joe on the line uh, – Joseph on the line. Uh, if I could get my – tell my – my computer's been running slow now. What's going on? So if there's a little pauses here and there, bear with me. But I do have uh, Joe Nolai. Thank you very much, Joseph, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Pleasure to be on as always, Robert. How are you? Oh, doing well, doing well. Um, of course, we, we knew eventually this stuff was going to come out. Um, you know, of course, the Democrats are now starting to come out or going to come out with their own. Uh, and so we'll, we'll hear what's going on. Just, uh, as interesting as this as this stuff is, it's getting kind of tiresome. Um, but I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping we just have one more year. It's, it's going to take more than this, we know. But my hope is that we just take one more year to, to, to drain the cesspool to get to get our institutions back to where the people, and not just, and I'm not just talking about our uh, law enforcement. I'm not talking about like police and stuff, but our FBI and DOJ. Uh, you know, get our trust, the, the people's trust back in that. But man, I mean, look how people feel about Congress and the media. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be able to be all changed in, in the course of a year, but hopefully we could get all this stuff where, you know, the people are putting the nation first. That's the thing that's driving me nuts. There used to be, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, it used to be, and it's maybe been a while since it's been that, but, you know, regardless of party, Republican or Democrat, yeah, they had their fight. Yeah, they both want the parties want to be in power. But, you know, it just wasn't to the point where it wasn't. And I think it really started with the Obama administration, frankly, maybe even uh, in the book, starting with the Bush administration, where it's kind of an us against them, where it's the people who, who support and want you know, a strong United States against the people who don't. Um, and, you know, what, what's good for the country is that and, and find things we can act, there's find things we can actually stand uh uh, and be uh, together on. There is absolutely nothing, uh, not even the national anthem. But there's nothing right now that we can all get behind and stand for. Uh, and then, of course, this, you know, the new memos and the investigation of the FBI stuff coming out, um, you know, hopefully, you know, things get cleared away. We finally get rid of this topic. Uh, but, man, I mean, there's, there's even partisanship you know, showing that, hey, look, we might have a, the corruption in these systems and in these institutions where for, you know, decades and decades, you know, people's had trust and faith in them, and now, and now we don't. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, every time I turn on the uh, news channel, uh, I, I just get sickened. Um, I can't even bear to watch anymore because it's just becoming so intense, and it's just the beginning. It seems. Uh, yeah, that's you. true. To, yeah, exactly. I, I'm with you. With for the past two years, you know, it's like what else can happen? What else worse can even possibly happen? And it's, I feel like I'm kind of jinxing it when I say it because when I when I do, 
another revelation comes and it, and you 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 come to the crossroads and you finally ask yourself is this going to be never ending i mean because you know every time you turn on the news it's another scandal it's another revelation it's it's the uh you know the dossier from the FISA memo or it's the collusion into the uh uh you know the the alleged collusion of uh, Russia in the elections it's always something but the sad part is it's the perfect proverbial scapegoat for the uh, for both parties to absolutely do nothing uh, or take the measures to move our country forward in the right direction, and that is the problem with the two-party system, in which I am 100% in agreement with you. I, who is a former Democrat and Republican, you know, um, there used to be a sentiment in our country. Uh, post-World War II, that was country above party. And then that faded away, but that came back or uh, was revived in the JFK era, country above party. And then that faded away. And now these days, everyone is wearing the R or the D as, as, a, as a badge of honor. And, uh, you know, see no evil, hear no evil. Very few people are afraid to call out their base when they do something wrong. And that is the problem. A lot of the supporters in these two-party system, they are the enablers. And that's what happens when you wind up with a two-party system, when there's not a third viable option. Uh, Both parties are stemming with so much corruption. Robert, I'm beginning to wonder, is there any hope on both sides? Is the cesspool beyond the point of no return? I don't know, but I'm starting to feel that for the first time, and I'm feeling it even more. Every time I turn on the news outlet, it's just another scandal after scandal while nothing is getting done in Washington, D.C., and it's, it's, it, it suits both parties to say this is the reason why we can't get anything done is because we have to focus now on you know, uh, the new revelation about the uh, FBI corruption and the FISA memo. It's always something where both sides justify their actions of why they have to detract and why they can't do the will of the American people in Washington, D.C., while America is just continuing to disintegrate at such a rapid level. It's very scary, Robert. Yeah, I mean, and, it is, and that really means a lot coming from, from you, at least for me, because, you know, those who are long-term listeners to the show and they remember hearing you on the show, uh, especially in around 2012 and, and those years, is that, uh, I, I mean, you've worked for, and we, unless you want to say, but uh, you've worked for, you know, campaigns. <laughs> I mean, you've been on the uh, the, the ground level uh, on working with campaigns, working directly with them and the, and the candidates, and and supporting, you know, up the, uh, the parties, but you know, one of the main one of the main parties, and, and to hear you come to the full where, well, maybe we need to look at more than just a two party system, uh, and, and that's not really what the, the topic for the show is. And I'll always talk about that just because you know I'm a big uh, supporter and proponent uh, of that. And but will we ever get there? I mean, as you said, what what is it going to take? Well, I mean, I mean, I thought well with Trump being a non, uh, I mean, he's a Republican in my opinion, in name only. I mean, I mean, if you could find a, a populist party, you know, maybe you could find a populist, you know, the populist party or something like that, uh, you know, where he could be the head of that and then just start one new. I mean, 
I know a lot of people say, well, this, this is the, the, you know, the institution, the political institution of America. It's a two-party system. You know, we're, we're not Europe, you know, you know, blah, 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 you know. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's always the back, you know. As I said, at least, you know, since Bush, I mean, remember, I mean, I, I knew people didn't like Clinton, but I just – the hatred just didn't seem to start until around the Bush, you know, George, you know, you know, George Bush Jr. or whatever you want to call him. Uh, but that's when I – I mean, at least for me, that's when I felt like it really started, you know, really splitting. And, and you kind of draw out a point. And as, as all of this, this distraction, uh, you know, to distract us and what, what's really going on. And maybe, you know, yes, as you said, the disintegration of the United States for the globalists. And that, that could maybe bring us to a point for, you know, uh, the Adam Schiff ties. And, and you may or may not know who that, where his ties are. And we'll, we'll talk about that. And you may find it interesting. Uh, but, you know, but as to, you know, these, uh, these memos coming out, you know, they're saying in some ways uh, – I do have uh, an article I posted on the uh, the Bard's Logic page there on Facebook. Uh, and if someone's out there listening and haven't liked it yet, uh, please do so. But, uh, you know, it sounds like even the, the Grassley-Graham uh, memo, you know, what they, what they came out with uh, contradicts a little bit of the Nunez, uh, you know, what he came out with, maybe just, just a little bit. Uh, I guess where it comes to, you know, just a few, you know, just a few points, and I mean, there's definitely a lot, you know, to, to go through, and this is just something that came out, I believe, yesterday, or maybe even the day before. So there's, there's definitely a lot to go through, but of course, the Democrats are going to be coming out with their own stuff, and yeah, and that's what's going to go back, back and forth, and um, so I mean, you know, obviously, what the truth, and I said that. Right or left, we want the truth, but because as you mentioned, you know, Joseph, uh, it's so partisan on both sides. You know, you you just want to get the truth out, um, and and so, but it just the the way it looks with you have a you know, you you can see where they try to do some degrees of separation with the the Clinton the Clinton campaign, uh, you know, hiring hiring cheap you know, um, uh, the GPS. Uh, organization and then them hiring, you know, Steele and then, you know, who was a, uh, you know, an, an ex MI6, you know, person, you know, spy. I mean, come on, you're, you're hiring an ex spy. I mean, what does that tell you, you know, on what you're, on what you're looking to do? You're, um, you know, so, I mean, so they show that separation and then they talk about, well, one of the big questions is did the FISA court, uh, did they know that, you know where the origins. Now, the, some are saying that they they knew it was you know it was from a political party or maybe you know sort of political you know background on it. But I don't know if they really knew that it was coming up. It was coming from an opposition party, uh, you know, during and and after an election. It, exactly. Based on the current information that uh, has come out, the judge who issued the uh, FISA warrant did not know uh, where the original source. Uh, came from, uh, had no clue that uh, it was bought for and paid for by the DNC and the Hillary campaign, and was very well concealed by James Comey at the time, President Obama, and the uh, L- Loretta Lynch, uh, the former uh, attorney general under the Obama administration. And uh, so uh, it, this will probably go down as one of the biggest 
corruption scandals in modern political history. And we haven't even begun to peel all the layers yet, which is the scary part. And it's interesting if you turn on MSNBC and CNN and you hear what they have to say about uh, the dossier, and then you watch Fox, it's like a tale of two cities. It's like two polar opposite worlds. That's how crazy it, 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 it's become. Uh, it's become so intense. And it's like, you know, many people, their heads are just spinning, like you were saying at the beginning of the show, you know. People don't know their left from their right anymore. It's so much confusion. And I, 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 I fear that a lot of people in both parties, uh, to certain extents, uh, they don't want certain portions of the truth to be revealed except for the portions that benefit them or their party. And that is the problem. So I would say it's a tale of two cities. But you know what, one thing that you're not hearing a lot, one thing I noticed is that you're not hearing a lot of, uh, and I'll be honest with you, I mean, I, I haven't been watching as much. I used to, see, a little background here. I mean, I used to watch, you know, both, and I'd flip between CNN and, and Fox, you know, when I'm watching some things. And I mean, but it's getting, it's getting to the point, and I'd rarely ever watch MSNBC, but you know, it's, it's always getting to the point where, you know, I, I can't stand listening to the, 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 the CNN. Now, of course, you know, there are times I still force myself to do it, but I don't like to. <laughs> but one of the things, you know, but I, I still have, you know, some, but just not as much as I used to. But that being said, is that one of the things I notice that you're not hearing about anymore, and, and you're rarely hearing about it, is remember when uh, was it Donald Jr. went over to have that meeting with the the, the Russian lawyer supposedly because she said she had dirt on Hillary Clinton? Uh, you don't hear that anymore. Uh, you don't hear much about that anymore because there wasn't anything there. And what the Republicans need to make more of it, I think, because I think I, I think that was a setup. You know, if there's any type of collusion, I think going on, I think there may have been the opposite. You know what the Democrats and the liberals are. You know, great at is doing something themselves and pointing the finger at someone else and 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 accusing others for doing something that they're doing. So it makes me wonder if they're actually the ones colluding with the uh, with, with with Russian operatives, or you know, because you never hear anything about her anymore. And I think that was a setup to try to help you know give some collaboration, you know, corroboration. I mean. Uh, to their story that hey the Trump committed you know the Trump campaign even you know as close as in as close a circle you know are colluding with the Russians to try to uh, you know try to affect the election. I, I agree, um, and take it from someone who's campaigned for both sides. Uh, from the Democratic perspective, if they had the uh, evidence, if it was true, had the Trump campaign truly colluded with Russia or had Russia influenced the election in any illegal way, in any shape or form, they would have taken out Trump a long time ago. Trust me, he would have been impeached by now. If the smoking gun is there, they will not hesitate to use it. They did it with Watergate. Uh, they've done it before in previous administrations, they would have not hesitated. The fact that it's been over one year of hyperbole and nothing more than smoke and mirrors is because nothing is there. 
So the only thing they can give to the American people, because they have no message, they have no economic platform, they have no social platform, they think that they can win the presidency in 2020 solely on a referendum of Trump because they have nothing more. If the smoking gun was there, they would have pulled the trigger a long time ago. Democrats are great at doing that when the smoking gun is in their hand without hesitation. And the fact that a year later, in a few months, we're still talking about the alleged uh, influence of Russia to help Trump, it's smoke and mirrors. It, it, you know, and anyone with common sense who doesn't have to know anything about how the Democrats play should just be able to analyze it from a common sense perspective and say, if this were a court of law and the prosecution didn't have circumstantial evidence, instead the prosecution have overwhelming evidence that beyond a shadow of a doubt, you reach a conviction within three weeks. If the evidence is so overwhelming, it takes no longer than three weeks to, you know, go through a speedy trial and get the guilty verdict. It's when you don't have the overwhelming evidence and you have circumstantial evidence or smoke and mirrors is when trials can linger on for years. Great classic example. Uh, I know I'm going a little bit old school on this is the OJ trial, which they will call the trial of the 20th century back in 95. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember that. And and I do see uh, Susan and, and jo, uh, John. You want to get on, uh, and I'll get you into the show. Um, oh, see, not, not, yeah, and that was actually re- you reminded me of something else. I want to uh, want to bring up, and I, I I apologize. I can't remember. I can't remember what it is now. Um, oh, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, I'm <laughs> sorry about that. Um, Yeah, so what, well, while I'm trying to re- recall that, and dang, that was a good point, too. Uh, let me go ahead and see now what, as I said, my computer's run. So let's go ahead and um, bring in John and then Susan. Let's go ahead because uh, he was uh, waiting longer. Thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? So what, what's your take on what's all going on here? Well, it, you know, we kind of briefly talked about it last week, too, and that was that a lot of this stuff was built on hearsay. And remember, I would, I'd said I wouldn't be surprised if we don't find out it was the Democrats or, you know, the elite Washington establishment Democrats and Republicans that baited all this stuff, including the um, that Fire and Fury book, in order to get some kind of manipulation to try to attack Trump. Well, here's another way that we know it's actually a fraud. Because the simple fact that they say that Russia, you know, interloped in our elections, doing is all focused on Trump. And it's not just about the election anymore. It's about anything and everything about Trump. Well, I called my congressmen and senators this past week, and I was telling them, hey, look, how many other candidates were up there, Democrat and Republican? Why are they not under a full investigation and doing an exploratory, you know, type investigation into every aspect of their life, even beyond the scope of which the investigation was actually first founded? And then why is it that the media 
are not also being investigated at the same depth and extreme and breadth and level? And why isn't all of the um, election boards across the country also being investigated at that same breadth, depth, and scope? Because any one of those groups could have colluded with the Russians to defraud the Americans on our, in our elections. But they have manipulated this just to focus on Trump based on hearsay. So, therefore, we know this is a fraud. Otherwise, they'd be already investigating other people that were candidates in the election, too, because they were all a part of it. Yeah, wasn't there a time where, um, uh, who, uh, oh, yeah, it was uh, McCain. Yeah, you know, you're, maybe because, you know, he's in ill health. No, but remember, you know, some of this came from, Remember when they brought McCain into it and said McCain had some kind of a hand in this as well? Uh, I'm not hearing anything more, you know, more about him either. Maybe they're leaving him alone because they think, you know, his time has come, you know. But uh, I'm not, I'm not hearing, I'm not hearing much about him. But, but wasn't he uh, supposedly had some information supposedly that he uh, handed over to uh, whoever the Clintons were working with? I mean, does anyone recall anything like that? Not me on that, on McCain. I mean, I I felt, and I've said before, and I think you have too, and other people on this show in previous episodes, that all of this is a fishing expedition by the elite Washington establishment in order to just dig up anything that they can try to manipulate President Trump on so that way they can start making him do what the globalists want to do. Because most of the Washington establishment and all these media companies and stuff are good point, with all of the globalists, and they just want to use this as a con trick to get as much information as they can on Trump and anybody within Trump, his organization, in order to try to spin it to go, hey, we're going to blackmail this guy and make him do what we want to, and therefore he can't use the American people to hold us accountable, we're going to use manipulation and lies about him in order to try to make him do what we want him to do so they can continue to run roughshod and nullify the, you know, we the people's right to self-govern, and then they can continue to manipulate our government and the two-party system and all the other crony tax policy and whatnot that's all unconstitutional so they can get away with what they want to do. But what are we going to do? In order, or can we do a class lawsuit somehow between all of we the people to um, hold them accountable? Because right now we know it's a fraud. They don't. They're not investigating anybody else. How can they just blame it all on Trump when they say the Russians and you know were influ- uh, influence on our elections, but they're not investigating anybody else that had anything to do with the. Um, the elections. What about these doggone companies that do the software for all of the election uh, machines and stuff? Why weren't they, co- you know, investigated? They could have possibly colluded with the Russians to give them access. Who knows? There's a lot of people who could have been colluded, and it's all based on hearsay, nonsense. But we got to figure out how to do a class lawsuit against our uh, these people in government or do something. In order to make, you know, abolish the IRS first and foremost so they don't have the money to continue to just waste our money and steal from us. Back to you. 
Sorry about that. I had to run and get something here. Um, and let's go ahead and uh, – because I'm looking at something up real quick uh, that I just thought of for you. So let's go ahead and bring up Susan. Think it, whoops. So that's what I'm saying. My system's slowing today. Susan, I'm trying to get you in here. Thank you very much, Susan, for coming to the show. How are you? Well, I'm still alive and kicking. <laughs> um, you know, I know something. Just ask Julian the son. You know he moved in with a what they call the kill shot after Kami Mock's FISA memo. Oh, yeah. I mean, Julian Assange is exposing everything. And he has nothing to lose. I mean, Trump and a lot of them, even the good guys, you know, it's like, hey, Assange is a criminal, you know, but he's still exposing the truth despite the fact everyone attacks him, you know, which I find really, really odd. I, I don't get it, you know, that they want to go after him all the time when he's a truth teller. Um, but there's a lot of things that are covered up or not spoken of. You know, uh, I don't know if you, the illegal immigrant that killed the NFL player, and President Trump was gracious enough, considering how the NFL has acted to him, to tweet out to the cult and to the family how sorry he was, and um, it's like one guy who's a black guy, uh, and that player happened to be, uh, said there's been no press. Well, not much, but some sports covered it, I, I told him, yeah, because, um, that, well, that was a political insider, so some conservative sites did, and there have been a few uh, sports sites that did, like Yard Barker and that. He said the mainstream media isn't going near this one until they have to. Yeah. It's horrible. They, the guy was drunk. He'd been taken out of state or out of the country several times. And he comes in and he, uh, he, he kills two people, the Uber driver or whatever, and, and this young man. And he's an illegal immigrant. I always think there's so much. It's not just what you guys are talking about. There is so many things that are covered up. It's pitiful. You can't turn around and, and, and without them covering something up. They have so much to hide. And then you have someone like Nancy Pelosi, who goes schizophrenic on the house floor. I mean, even her own party is just like, oh, my God. I mean, she's, like, trying to talk and, you know, do stuff. And Then you have the cop that was asked to leave an eatery over a service weapon. Oh, the outback. I mean... I bet you that won't be on the main news that he was asked to leave because he had a weapon. What more does it take to force them to expose stuff so we can hear the real truth? Oh, and here's one. How about this? Harassment settlement. So little disclosure. (coughs) It's a whole whole article from American Liberty Report. Well, you have a do-nothing Congress because they're too busy having lots of torrid sex. I guess they have a lot of free time and taxpayer dollars to do. But you don't see much of that mentioned on, you know, on regular TV. It's covered up. Uh, how much money has been paid out? Around $17 million. 264 congressional staffers have been paid $17 million courtesy of the American taxpayers. To shut them up because they were sexually harassed. I mean, who does all this? 
Who covers so much stuff? We can only get it from a few sources. Seriously. Doesn't it make you angry about this? I mean, it's just... Oh. I have a headache. And, and, and real quick before I bring it back... Uh, to you, Joseph. Uh, yeah, this is back in December uh, 2017 uh, in the Newsweek article. Um, it says that Associate of Republican Senator John McCain has been subpoenaed by the House Intelligence Committee over his link to the infamous uh, Trump-Russia dossier, the Washington Examiner reported Wednesday. Now, if I could get to it, I got another article from them. But it says uh, Republican Representative Devin Nunes is uh, reportedly calling on David Kramer a former State Department employee who now serves as a senior fellow at the nonprofit McCain Institute to discuss a meeting he had with Christopher Steele, a former British spy and the author of the controversial dossier in late November 2016 in London. Kramer, who previously met with House investigators in early December, is being directed – man, I think of being hacked by the NSA now. Uh, Kramer was uh, reported directly to meet with – it's, uh, I'm so sorry, folks. I'm trying to – everything's running slow tonight. So Kramer, who previously met with House investigators in early December, is being directed to appear before the House Intelligence Committee once again on January 11th. The Hill later reported – that maybe we could get more on that, but this, uh, the Hill later reported Wednesday that it had no uh, – that it had also confirmed news. Kramer was reportedly directed to meet – gosh, this is making – pissing me off. Excuse my French. But man, everything's running slow today, and I don't know here, and I don't know why. I apologize. Um, so, uh, reported directing to meet with Steele in London by McCain. Yeah, was directed by McCain, who then received copies of the Trump-Russian dossier and delivered them to the Arizona senator upon returning home. Uh, McCain then gave the dossier to the FBI in December 2016, and then because. I was, Read the rest, but it's just running. Even my laptop's running slow now. Um, but yeah, so I, I knew McCain had some kind of uh, had some kind of hand in it. Now you know, supposedly I guess since he's in bad health, maybe that's why they're not uh, bringing him up in it. Um, but as you can see, is this even? I mean, this isn't. I mean, yeah, it's the Democrats, but you know, it's also the Republicans as well. You know, with John McCain, we all know how John McCain is with. Um, you know how he is on Trump, and he very well may be, you know, a globalist himself. And so, and I think that's what it all might, you know, come out to. I think that'd be a good segue to our second segment uh, about uh, Adam Schiff's ties to so- uh, George Soros. Uh, I think you guys will find uh, find interesting. We and, don't even have ties to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, <laughs> I mean, this goes, this goes back even with, you know, with, with his, uh, Trump's political opponents, you know, in the Republican party, this isn't just the Democrats who are coming out to get them. So no, I was waiting, I was waiting, uh, seeing if Joseph, I mean, I'm still waiting for, uh, something. And then, uh, here it says, uh, we're talking about with the Clintons, you know, this finally came up, uh, for me. This is according to the uh, this is from uh, the Wash another article again from the Washington Examiner. Uh, so according to the referral, let's talk about. Well, let me back up and backtrack. So the new release document is an unclassified and heavily redacted version of the criminal reference targeting Steele filed on January 4th by Republican senators Chuck Grassley of Iowa and Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. 
uh, it appears to confirm some level of coordination between the extended Clinton circle and the Obama administration and the effort to seek damaging information about then-candidate Trump. According to the referral, Steele wrote the additional memo based on the anti-Trump information that originated uh, with a foreign source. In a convoluted scheme outlined in the referral, the foreign source gave the information to an unnamed associate of Hillary and Bill Clinton, who then gave the information to an unnamed official in the Obama State Department, who then gave the information to Steele. So this is an article talking about them feeding uh, the Clinton administration, you know, feeding stuff to this dossier, not administration, uh, campaign feeding things for this dossier. Uh, Steele wrote a report based on the information, but the redacted version of that referral does not say what Steele did with the report after that. Um, there was an, a, another name that I, here, here it is. It says published accounts in The Guardian and The Washington Post have indicated that Clinton associate Cody Shearer was in contact with Steele about anti Trump research and Obama State Department official Jonathan Weiner, not to be confused with Weiner, um, but this is a Weiner, um, <laughs> W Y N E R, was, uh, was a connection between Steele and the State Department during the 2016 campaign. I'll get you to the show. He just pushed the one on your number dial, but he did send me a text. And I said this a while ago. I said this back in July of 2016. Uh, he made a comment uh, in the text, said both parties want Pence to be the president. And I said this in July of 2016 Okay, when uh, – when Pence got chose to be Trump's uh, Trump's VP, and when it was between Trump and Newt Gingrich and the the people, the Republicans, they wanted Newt Gingrich over Pence. Okay, there's all kinds of polls showing that. Not that I always believe polls, but you know, but you know, so but through my understanding and just people I talk to it in any way. But Paul Ryan, remember, folks, it was Paul Ryan who pushed Pence. Pushed Trump to pick Pence with well, what I think is the understanding is you remember back then when you had those those non-Trumpers threatening to do a try to do a broker uh, broker convention. They're all talk, talk about trying to take delegates away from him. However, I think, and I, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't have anything to corroborate this right now, um, but I'm sure I could find some things here. But I think that uh, that what he did what uh, Paul Ryan did was he went to Trump and said, "Look, you want me to call off the dogs about them trying to take some of your taking your delegates? Take Pence to be your VP because they want Pence to be VP. I think Paul Ryan and I think you're right, uh, Doctor Tolbert. Uh, they want Paul Ryan. To, I mean, I'm sorry, they want Pence to be the not against Pence, but he's way he's way more uh, he's way controllable than a new Gingrich would ever be. Okay." So I think, yes, I think that he was handpicked by Paul Ryan, uh, Pence was, you know, and, and pretty much they talked Trump into picking Pence because I think even – and I'm not saying Paul Ryan's a part of this. That being said, it wouldn't surprise me to see that somehow he's got a hand somewhere in this, okay, in the, in the, in the yeah. attempt to move Trump. But if that does end up being the case and Pence becomes the vice president, I, th- I mean the president – 
I mean, I very well think, I mean, the whole thing was completely set up, you know, even back, you know, in July of 2016. Robert. Is that you, John? Yeah, go ahead. The, the aspect that I don't think anybody's ever talked about, and I didn't really think about it till you were saying this now, because I've heard other people on different shows that have mentioned that Pence and Ryan and people like that, that Trump has surrounded himself with a lot of these evangelicals that are Zionist. And I don't know that I fully understand all of that, but if I do understand it correctly, the Zionists are come from the standpoint that they believe in a, a global order under the Zionist philosophy of Jesus Christ. And I'm not sure I understand all the details of that, but that would make sense exactly with what you're saying. And Paul Ryan would fall right in with the Pope being a Catholic under that mentality. Back to you. Well, yeah, you know, you know, we haven't heard from him for a while. I know he's getting to work some projects, uh, but man, I definitely want to hear. Uh, you know, we definitely want to hear more perspective on that uh, with Jim Connor Jr. He's been on the show many times, and boy, I tell you what, if he was on, his ears would have perked up when you said that. He he's got a lot to say about that. <laughs> he's got a lot to say about that issue because I think that's pretty much in line with his thinking. Uh, his thinking on that. Is where you know with, with those possibilities, but you know, you know, so you know, of course, more things to come. The Democrats are going to come out with their, uh, you know, their memos, and you know, <laughs> hopefully, the, the the truth will come out at some point. Uh, you know, but we'll we'll want to see is more. But I'm telling you, what I haven't met perhaps when Kelly calls in uh, is I, I'm when are we going to start seeing people? I mean, I. Do, do, Joseph, do you think do you see people get, end up getting arrested and indicted and pre, perhaps arrested and put in prison because of this, or do you think this is just going to be a bunch of hoopla and then nothing's going to come of it? I honestly think it's just going to be a bunch of hoopla at the end of the day. Uh, truth be told, uh, if any serious actions were going to be taken or anyone on both sides were going to uh, execute, uh, they would have done so by now. And with all this overwhelming evidence and much more to come, the fact that uh, the Obama administration, the fact that the, the, the Clintons, the fact that they were able to get away with so much egregious crimes and that they will never see the day of any indictments, the fact that James Comey lied uh, when he testified on Capitol Hill in 2016 and that no action has been taken, I honestly think it's just going to be a bunch of hoopla, and that uh, these uh, uh, crooks and probably one of the greatest political con artists in the modern era are going to get away with um, with this uh, travesty and crime. I think they've already gotten away with it. Um, the fact that, you know, there aren't any indictments uh, at this point. I mean, with all this overwhelming evidence, and no indictments, I mean, what does that say? Uh, and that's the scary part. And an interesting article actually um, also came out in November 2015 by the U.S. News. I'm only going to give a little um, snippet. Um, Arizona Senator John McCain has been betraying 
uh, the Republican Party for months by relentlessly speaking out against President Donald Trump. Now McCain is refusing to say whether or not he knew that the largely discredited 35-page dossier on Trump was founded by Hillary Clinton when he handed it over to the FBI. And this was only last year. We're not even talking about 2016. We're talking about 2017, you know, almost a year that Trump is into his full term, which brings me back to the point. I I, I completely agree with, with John and that both parties are complicit uh, in in these scandals, and that is the problem. That is the reason why there won't be any indictments. If it was one-sided, like Watergate, uh, it would be a different story. But I've never – this is a precedent. Never in American history have we had a major scandal or scandals of this magnitude in which both political parties are playing a major hand in it. It's always been one side against the other in previous scandals and precedents, but never have we before uh, had a precedent uh, of this magnitude. This is the first time, and that's why I think it's almost impossible uh, for any uh, indictments to come forth when both parties are playing the hands, and John brilliantly hit on it. I completely agree with you, John. Both parties are complicit in this. They have been from the beginning, and that's why I, I find it impossible for any indictments to um, actually uh, see the day of light. Robert. Well, no, I mean, I, uh, I'm sorry because I, I, I can't disagree and I want to. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I do. I mean, I, I want to be able to say no. Um, now I've been, you know, for most of my life, you know, I was a staunch, you know, staunch Republican. You know, I'm, I'm not anymore, and that 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 stopped back in 2012. Uh, you know, and I used to be someone who wanted to be, you know, be a part of government, be a part of, you know, because for me, I always, you know, I was growing up as you saying, you know, hey, in the hands of power, you can really help to improve people's lives. But it seems like in the hands of power, they just want to do whatever they need to do to stay in power. Um, it's what it's, you know, what I'm seeing and, and you're right. And it's, and, and it's both parties now. And, you know, it just, you know, for me, it just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just speechless because it's just, you know, it's, it's, but the, but the good thing is, is it's coming out there. People are realizing it. Um, of course, I wish there was a more fair, um, you know, media out there because unfortunately you got a lot of folks out there. You know who still watch because you know for whatever reason probably because they, they I don't know almost everybody's probably got cable up think, by now um, you know but they listen to most of the mainstream media because I mean and, but and for the folks who don't they just have your regular you know AB you know alphabet channels you know what I mean um, then they're you know of course they're only getting one side and that that's one thing that drives me nuts I got you know uh, a friend of mine and uh, you know she's you know, a liberal, and I'm like, well, well who do you watch, and, uh, and who do you listen to? Oh, CNN and C, you know, CNN and uh, NPR. Well, I'm like, no wonder you feel the way that you do. I said, if those are the only well, people you listen to, yeah, John. Thing that is kind of a uh, bellwether to me 
that tells me that the Washington establishment elitist on all sides are kind of getting to Trump is because in his State of the Union address and all of these policies that's been, you know, these bills that are being passed, and Trump's not even questioning a lot of them. He's going on and, process, you know, passing a lot of these bills in the Congress that actually are consolidating more power to the Congress and the people that work up there and stuff. And that's why the FISA thing threw me off in the sense that Justin Amos and uh, Zoe Lofgren put together an amendment towards the FISA uh, um, uh, bill to try to make it more constitutional and have less power to try to overthrow anybody. And then Trump went ahead and signed it when Congress wouldn't allow the Amash amendment to be a part of the bill, but Trump signed it anyway, giving them the power to police him even more from an illegal standpoint. And then his State of the Union address, I've kind of complained on this before, they're getting to him in the sense that, think about the tax policy that was processed, which I'm good with lowering all of the tax rates and stuff and lowering the regulations, but we got to do it in a proper and um, correct way in the sense that the right regulations need to be removed. And whenever you don't change any spending and you continue all the tax subsidies, the tax grants, the tax rebates, the tax exemptions, all these special privileges that only go to the wealthy, then it tells me that the congressmen and the senators are getting to Trump and allowing them to do a soft takeover of America. Because think about it. The corporations that are bigwig, most of them are multinational groups from foreign nations. They still have their headquarters in those foreign countries. But Trump's talking them up like, oh, they're relocating to America. They're not relocating their headquarters to America. They're just opening up branches of their business in America. So then they can actually just manipulate because think about it. They put us, yeah, we're working in their shops, but they're normalizing the wages around the world by doing that. And because they're buying up property in America, those who own the property actually end up owning our country at some point. And if they're using their resources of finances to continue to collude with the Congress to get their laws into bills and they're still getting them passed, then they're actually nullifying we the people's right to self-govern. So it's a soft takeover of America whenever they're allowing the foreigners to do that. And Trump or none of the congressmen are setting up their filibustering saying, hey, no, we're the power is supposed to go back to the people. When Trump said he's supposedly working to make sure all the power goes back to the people and that, you know, the common man or forgotten man is no longer forgotten, but how is he doing it? It's not being done, and then he allows the Congress, the elite Washington establishment, to hoodwink him on DACA when, number one, anybody that's in our um, system now that's on some form of social welfare, that's an expense that comes out of our treasury, and it goes up the more people that's in social welfare. You know, unemployment, SNAP, food stamps, that's a cost. That's a cost to the system. So when that continues to go up and then you say you need more workers, I'm like, okay, well, there's the workers. Get them off of the food stamps and off of the, you know, unemployment line and the debt goes down. And the communities that they live in will be more prosperous because if they've got a job and they're able to support themselves, they're less likely to go stealing from their neighbors but if you keep them in that poverty-stricken community and then you flood the labor pool with more foreigners who have 
no legal right to petition our government for anything. They don't have any standing whatsoever. You flood the labor pool with the foreigners when we already have 90-some-odd million work um, people on social welfare that are out of the workforce now that need those jobs. You flood these non-citizen foreigners into the labor pool. Now they need jobs and they need resources in order to make ends meet and have a life worth living and a standard of living that, you know, would um, behoove them to not go around thieving and stealing. Well, now they're going to need those resources, and if they can't get enough out of the system, they're going to steal from their neighbors and whatnot. So that drives up crime, and it drives up debt too. So number one, in order to reduce the debt, help make sure that the people that are on social welfare, unemployment, food stamps or whatnot get the jobs that are out there now and quit letting the co- uh, the companies, the foreign or whatever these big, big companies, cherry-pick the world for the lowest-wage worker, bringing down wages all around. And then it helps also alleviate crime potential because when people have the means to support themselves in their community, they're less likely to steal from their neighbors. And none of that comes up. The Congress and, the, you know, Washington establishment in, uh, Washington, or in our Congress and Senate, they've convinced Trump that it's okay to do this DACA thing and give the DACA kids an okay here in America. And I'm like, dude, if we can't take care of the people that are already here in America and they're already stealing and stealing from their neighbors as it is, what makes you think that bringing more people into America is going to make it easier on the people who are already in poverty and then the people that's coming into America that are non-citizens, you're giving them a standing in our government to petition our government but you're denying our legal americans the right to have their will put into our laws rules self-governing it's a never-ending cycle downward spiral to more to more crime back to you well, so one of the I, things that trump um, was talking about real, real quick susan i just want to make a quick comment um, there's one okay. thing Trump, uh, to answer what I said, one thing that Trump has been talking about, and I've been wanting to get uh, uh, Matt Bevin on, because I know he's been talking, he's talked about this there in Kentucky, uh, to talk about it. Of course, these people seem to be harder and harder to get, and it makes me wonder why. Uh, but anyway, it's, uh, you know, talk about, you know, having work requirements for, the, uh, for those who can, of course, you know, but work requirements uh, of some sort for people on Medicaid. So that is something that he's he's been touting around, and we can, we can talk more at length of that, and perhaps we can even make a show of that. But as I said, I was hoping to be able to have uh, open up discussion and, and have that, you know, with is having uh, Governor uh, Bevin on, uh, which we've we've had her on the show. He's running for uh, for governor, but now these governor governor is hard as hell to get a hold of. But anyway, um, as well as a couple other people, I've been trying to reach. But go ahead, Susan. Um, well, I don't disagree with him, what he needed to comment, but Rand Paul is sure standing with Trump on a lot of issues, backing him, you know, on things he's done. And Michael Savage uh, questioned whether other forces were at work because of the economists say the drop is a result of a correction brought on by trepidation and rising interest rates and high inflation. The Federal Reserve is deliberately running up interest rates as part of a scheme to sabotage Trump. Uh, CBS even admitted 75 of the people who percent of the people watched his speech approved of it and loved it. But afterwards, the establishment meeting the deep state or New World Order, whichever, 
uh, call it what you want, when to overdrive to destroy Trump or try to destroy him where he's strongest because they can't get him where they think he's weakest. So they're taking the market down by trying to hurt you. They're enemies of the average American. These people are so evil and power drunk that they burn the nation to the ground rather than let Trump live another day in office. This comes from Michael Savage. I just got this email, well, yesterday. And I, I don't even doubt it. I don't even doubt it. People are crazy and evil nowadays. I mean, I, I called, and this is off the subject somewhat, but I called uh, because I, uh, and I have a couple little bottles of some conservative site to add of CDV from hemp, no THC in it. And I have a salve that I put on the spoon, that seven-inch emergency surgery scar I have on my leg. And I will tell you that Governor Otter is an idiot. His people told me you can be arrested for having salve, even if you don't eat it, even if there's not. So it happens illegal in Idaho for, uh, to put on, for the salve to even put on on, on moons. I, I, you can't even have these pills that I got for energy, for sleeping, and stuff like that. Seriously, salve? Uh, I, I mean, come on. How do you have people like this in government, whether it's state or otherwise, that do these things and don't even think? I mean, it just disgusts me. Imagine that I could have the police bust in here have a little jar that someone gave me, and they bought it from a health food store, by the way, here in uh, Napa, Idaho, and they could actually arrest me for that. Do you think, seriously, that these people should be allowed to vote, should be allowed to make decisions for us, anything? I don't care if it's a state. You know, there's a difference. There's your state stuff, state's rights, which I support. But when there's an idiot in office that thinks that way, it seriously makes you wonder about all the idiots that are running our federal government and the idiots who are voting for a lot of these people. And what they're doing, as Michael Savage said, is they're sabotaging anything good he is doing, especially with, and you know that the Federal Reserve, uh, a lot of people that have opposed it, Kennedy and all them, they try to do something, and they get taken out. So, you well, tell me. Well, 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 go ahead. Oh, that's it. Well, okay, well, let, well, let's hope that doesn't uh, happen to Trump. But, yeah, I mean, I, that, that, that's a concern of mine, too. And we, we are, amazingly enough, already at the top of the hour. And I want to go ahead and, and, and you know, we could come back to, uh, you know, this whole FISA thing, uh, if you want. I mean, it's kind of mixed in anyway. Uh, with that is uh, you know something you know you might find interesting uh, once I could get this this going is of course you know we we talk you know and 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 this is right in with the um, you know with with our first you know our first topic with um, you know with the fight you know with the Pfizer memo and things of that nature of course uh, we're talking about uh, this is really man I'm gonna, just fade on there. I'm this is really pissing me off. So <laughs> how slow this thing is going. I don't know if there's something going on with this, this computer, if if I gotta do something with it or 
or what, but this is ridiculous um, on how slow this stuff is loading. It's really making me mad. <laughs> uh, I apologize, folks. I uh, really do. I just I don't get what, what what's going on here. Um, this ridiculous. I'm, you know, I'm trying to pull something out. Um, pull something up here, and it's. You need some relaxing, non THC. <laughs> <laughs> None. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me. Well, you know, I'm going to digress a little bit. Um, is I tell you what, I have been having such a hard time sleeping. I haven't. I've probably slept eight hours, if that, in the past two nights. And let me tell you something. I'm like, man, if I if I, I need to find something that, you know, is helping me sleep. Yes. Oh, I'll have to message you with several things. Oh, yeah, I haven't had a good night's sleep in a couple. No. Um, well, probably more than a couple of nights. But let's see if I can pull it up here using my, my laptop here. So I don't know. Um, but basically, it, here we go. Yeah, maybe it's just a computer. I don't know. But it says, uh, well, 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 there's an article, and you can find this uh, on the Bard's Logic Political Talk website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. And you can find it on the uh, the Bard's Logic Newsroom, which you can uh, subscribe to uh, by putting in uh, by subscribing there, putting in your your email address. You can get email updates. It says, well, well, well. Look who Adam Schiff has family ties to. It says Twitter is on fire with the revelation that Democratic Party mouthpiece Adam Schiff turns out to have family ties to none other than. George Soros himself. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Todd Griffith says, here's something interesting I found out today. Adam Schiff's sister, Melissa, was married to George Soros' son until 2015. Uh, and then it says, fact, Adam Schiff's sister, Melissa, is a Soros. Also, there's a Soros tie to Schumer and the Clintons. Uh, it says, Trump mm-hmm. bet. Uh, Melissa Schiff story is pictured with Adam Schiff, uh, and anyway, you can find find those different ones. Uh, let's see. It says, yeah, Representative Adam Schiff, the ranking Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee, was previously financially aided by the George Soros Finance MoveOn.org to win his congressional seat. Schiff was also awarded the Tool Fellowship, which is a sponsored which is sponsored by the Council of State Governments, a nonprofit, nonprofit that monitors federal and is heavily financed by Soros' Open Society Foundation. The Open Society and Soros' funded groups have additionally supported a number of Schiff's legislative efforts. So Schiff has been lead, is helping to lead the Democrats' unsubstantiated charges of alleged collusion between President Donald Trump and Moscow. Uh, last month, Schiff delivered an opening statement at the congressional hearing where he laid out the case for alleged Russian meddling in the 2016 presidential election. Uh, this reporter previously documented serious problems with Schiff's charges, which include wild conspiracy theories and heavy reliance on questionable sources. Uh, in largely forgotten history, Schiff's 2000 congressional campaign against Republican incumbent Jim Rogan was openly aided by MoveOn.org. On January 1st, 2000, the Wall Street Journal reported on the radical group's fundraising efforts for Schiff. The congressional seat was particularly important since Rogan 
had gained fame after he was selected to be one of the 13 House managers in the 1998 impeachment case of Bill Clinton. Rogan was supportive of Clinton's impeachment and became a hero in the Republican Party. Uh, the divorce between Adam Schiff's sister and George Soros' brother was a messy one. Says, uh, with the property transfer, blah, 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 just talked about that. Um, whoa, here's something funny. And we're not in Bard's Logic After Dark now. Man, it's not funny. But says, the couple who are missed a messy divorce have provided the tabloids with some delightful fodder of late, including reports that Mr. Soros, the eldest son of George, the president of his father's 200 uh, – I'm sorry – his father's $28 billion firm canoed with his 29-year-old girlfriend in front of his wife on an eight-hour-plus uh, flight from Italy. The marriage founder, after Mr. So- allegedly had an affair with model-slash-naked artist Meredith Ostrom. Interesting. Hmm, the naked artist. I may have to Google that now. <laughs> but anyway, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, not here to, I'm not here to spin anybody's dirty laundry. I mean, that's, that's not... Are, you know that has nothing, in my opinion, to do with politics. Uh, but you know, now it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. Now it's a short article uh, with that. Um, but yeah, there you go. Mouthpiece of the Democrat Party. Uh, they have family ties, or maybe not anymore since the divorce. But at least had some family ties uh, with George Soros. But it sounds like you want to chime in on that, uh, Susan. Go ahead. Um. Yeah, George Soros, huh? Oh, dear, 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 dear. Somebody's actually, I mean, it isn't surprising he's connected to anybody and everybody in some way, shape, or form. And that the man is evil, just plain evil. And I'm sure that he's also part of the, or influencing the Federal Reserve situation along with a lot of other things, the riots and all this. So he isn't kicked out of our country, and he should be. He's a traitor. I don't get it, but what do you do? do? I don't have an answer. And that's... (sighs) But I'm sending you a message with a couple things you can take to help you sleep, because I'm having the same problems. So... Well, one of my things, I can't turn my my brain off. But we do have, uh, I believe, it looks like Dr. Colbert on the line. Yeah, I I can't turn my brain off. Uh, Dr. Colbert on the line. We do see some others. Uh, You want to just push the one on your number dial, and I'll get you into the show. So let's go ahead and uh, welcome, because I don't think we uh, had him on the show last week. And, of course, once I could get this uh, uh, computer, I really need to, I don't know if I got to do something where on your computer where you clean something up or whatever. I thought I did that already. But anyway, I'm digressing. Thank you very much for coming to the show. Uh, how are you tonight? I'm doing well. You know, I'm sitting there monitoring, and I've, I've been sending you, of course, text messages as you were talking and, and listening. But the biggest subject matter that you're into is the Sawyer's tie-in to the Gang of Eight, the immigration policy, uh, Black Lives Matter out of Michigan, uh, the Islam movement, uh, the fact that he was barred and uh, from nine countries that he has committed treason and he is worth five times more money than Trump and that he has been involved uh, and owns uh, the computers in 30 states where Romney owns them in like nine states and how these computers are the same computers 
that are in Mexico and uh, Venezuela, and then how Sawyer's is in Russia are now influencing the election in Mexico. And, you know, there's just such a big tie-in to all this. And, you know, the letter we sent, which was 66 pages and was signed by Mrs. Trump, uh, Thursday before the the uh, uh, speech that they gave to Congress uh, covering such things that you covered tonight. For an example, the president says that the um, birthers 1.3 million. Uh, he wants to extend their where they can't become citizens for 12 years. We wrote the virtual reality visa saying you put a two-year uh, on probation for them. Uh, they get jobs. They do this, this, and this. Uh, they then would fit into the eight-year plan. So we set a 10-year uh, moratorium on them. Uh, a lot of things that you're hearing uh, are not being covered. You know, we of course, we brought in the fact that Pence and – but a lot of people don't realize even uh, General Kelly – is undermining Trump, uh, that he is trying to take credit away from Trump and he will make statements where he's doing things and Trump's not doing them. So the whole staff that the president currently has, uh, we're writing articles uh, and, you know, we went so far to put a binder with not only the resume and introduction, but eight attachments uh, outlining the behavior of ethics and the dilemma and the, the matter of which the Congress is operating and how the system. And then, you know, we wrote the article and filed the first uh, uh, charges against the state of Florida on felons' right to vote. And uh, it's now going to be on the ballot in Florida this year. And it was, again, one of the things that Trump mentioned. Uh, educating those who have been in prison, incarcerated. Uh, he got into the things about the jobs in America by taking the people that are on welfare but putting them in, into an educational system. So there's a lot of things that are being talked about that are more in line of helping America. But when it gets into things like, you know, the decrease in unemployment in African-Americans, None of the Democrats stood up. Uh, the African-Americans in the audience didn't stand up. Uh, when they talked about the increase of employment, uh, there was a total dismay, uh, even with a lot of the Republicans. Uh, the antitrust violation that we filed several years ago, I believe is going to happen, where they're going to see that what you think is happening between the Democrats and Republicans is actually just a show. Uh, there's, they're actually working together to do one thing. If they can get Pence into the power, if they can get Trump out of power, the Democrats and Republicans would work together under what you were talking about. It's called the one world power uh, under the uh, Illuminati's, the Jesuits, the Federal Reserves, uh, under NATO, the Catholic Church, so all these things we wrote 11 articles on and presented it to the president. So there's a lot of things that people have to look at a bigger picture. They can't just say this speech that he gave, they got to go back and look at all the things that you have been, Robert, talking about 
for several years and how everything is now coming to light. So I've been just kind of staying in the background because I want to kind of bring where everybody looks at Sawyer's, the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, uh, that there's people like Romney still in the background. Uh, the fact that Bush was the money behind Hitler, grandfather uh, in the money that started the Second World War, and the Bush's then son, that was the president before the last Grand Bush, Poppy. was the money behind Obama. And, Grandpappy so, Bush. Yeah, the daddy Bush yeah, was actually behind Obama, uh, and that there was a relationship of, they say, 36 of your presidents are all related to a king in England, and they're all part of the same group of people. But the point is that money is coming from sources that people don't understand. Bill Gates is money behind uh, the chips and the programs or in the computers that Sawyer's and Romney's working. Uh, Bill Gates is the money behind Common Core and One World Power, and people don't even think about that. Uh, there's so many things that people got to take a bigger picture that everything political parties are doing in America today is to lose and disrupt America. The articles on Russia are not going to be founded that Russia was working with a Democrat or Republican. Russia was trying to disrupt the American politics system so that all the other nations and countries would view America as a corrupt country and that they would stop supporting so Putin's whole intent, and you're going to find this later based on many things that are happening, that they're going to prove that Putin was working against both parties, bringing out memos and information in order to corrupt politics so that the countries or allies of ours would no longer follow our doctrine of constitutions. You have to remember, a lot of your free countries used and still are using in a better example of the U.S. Constitution. So Russia trying to corrupt and take charge of the world, global power, Sawyer's, NATO, and the other groups uh, trying to lead you into the Jesuit, Illuminati, Mormon format. All this is, you know, a big picture to be looked at, Robert. Dr. Tolbert. Well, is that possible, John? John, John, real quick, we got uh, another caller in, and we're going to bring it back around. Of course, everyone's mics are open. I uh, didn't do uh, the green room, so we're just going to get them in. Uh, area code eight five zero. Can we get your name and where you're coming from? Uh, area code eight five zero. Latrice Jones. I'm calling from Ocala, Florida. And oh, okay, Dr. welcome. Talbert, thanks. Yes, thanks. Uh, I'm actually a candidate for U.S. Senate here. This is an interesting conversation. Uh, just to kind of hear, because it's actually almost like the the other side of politics that you don't talk about every day, to be honest, um, because it's such a mess out here right now. And it's just very interesting. I almost have this aha moment when I hear that the Bushes were behind Obama because I knew somebody was behind him. I didn't know who was behind him. And I know down here in Florida they're behind a lot of these other candidates that seemingly came out of nowhere that are uh, and they they have money, you know, and it's that's the hardest thing right now as a non-establishment candidate to do is to raise funds, and, and I'm just kind of wondering, you know, the ones that do have the money, they are the establishment candidates that the Bushes are they're they're putting on the ground, 
what do you do? You know, how do we strategize about this as far as to, I want to, you know, I know it's bigger than what I see. I know it's bigger than what I know because the average person would probably be afraid of a conversation like this, and this is the reality of it. I think for me participating, what it does is it enlightens me, possibly help me open my eyes a little bit more in reference to what I'm really dealing with because this it, it is a monster. It's a beast out here, but it has to be tackled. And I think we have to collectively be able to, to do this in order to, to make a change and to fight this big monster that we have that's going on, especially with the Romneys and the Common Core. Um, and I do believe that it is to disrupt America. And don't fool yourself to think that, you know, the greatest divide is definitely going to be if you can motivate the blacks to be angry because they will fight. I don't care what anybody says, especially the black Americans. I know we have the African Americans, but you also have uh, the black Americans, and which I am one, and my grandmother was a slave in this country. So this it, it bothers me in reference to the direction we're going in. How do we get to where we need to go to make it better is what my conversation is about. What do we need to do? I mean, how do we strategize, Dr. Talbert? You tell me. Okay, let me first tell you, I did run for the governor of Florida, and I was up in Ocala, and I made 20 meetings up in Ocala when I ran for the governor, and I ran for the U.S. Senate, and I do this as an independent. And under the mm-hmm. website, org, everything you just talked about, we've written the articles on Common Core Immigration, uh, the uh, 11 things on Islam, the Black Power Movement, the Black Lives Matter, uh, the mm-hmm. Sawyers in Michigan that, that headed, and the fact that we are not white Americans and we're not black uh, African Americans. We're, we're Americans. And, and we have to use the yeah. word United States of America because we're having a competition with the South Americans using the word Americans and Americans using the word Americans were the United States Americans, the U.S. citizens. And in our articles that we wrote to the president and what you're doing, and it's not relevant which political party. I ran not, no party. I helped get the Constitution Party on the ballot because I wanted somebody out there besides the Democrats, Republicans, and the Libertarians. Uh, mm-hmm. So we took and got their electorals to get them on the ballot. Um Robert's show and a show on Saturday, on, on Monday with Sally, gets you in front of people. So whatever you have to say to Robert, just know you can archive this show. So this is a show that you can get out to your community. Are you running for the state Senate or for the, U, or for the uh, U.S. Senate? U.S. Senate. Okay. Uh, you know you're going to be going against the governor who is being uh, supported by people that has committed a grand felony and uh, has been put in power and he is running uh, because he cannot run for governor. You realize that, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What does it mean? Okay. <laughs> no, and well, I, he and has I'm $100 million? Dollars. No, I'm proud of you. Well, that's the thing. He's got $222 million that he stole. He he pleaded mm-hmm. the Fifth Amendment over 50 sometimes, and people came mm-hmm. elect him. When I ran against him, I had 60,000 signed petitions. I had 1 million followers. Um, Fox News had me at 14%. They, 
They would not let me debate with Chris and Scott uh, because the independent group out of Tallahassee was funded by the Republican Party. Uh, they set barriers to do it. And every time I went to a meeting, and I did 200 meetings uh, for the governorship, and every time that any of the other political parties saw that I was going to be there, they walked out the door and didn't go in and talk because they knew that speaking with me in the audience, I'm a retired master sergeant, I'm a doctor of education, and I'm a pastor. And so calledoduty.org. And I will support you against, I was asked today by the American party and by several other political parties and groups of people who to vote for, for the U.S. Senate. If you go to calledoduty.org, get my email address, send me your information, I will support you for the next senator. Awesome, because I am in, you invited me to this event, I'm sorry. As well, because we are in a group messaging that I get messages from, and you invited us yesterday to the event, and that's how I knew about it and am able to participate. I will do exactly that. Okay, and that was on the Facebook that we've got you into, correct? No, actually, that is on the uh, in uh, email. LinkedIn? Oh, in the email, okay. Yes. Oh, yes. I understand, yeah. Now, I understand because we had a group of people – yeah, and you know, Robert, the thing is, is that when we get information about you and we get it out, we just broke 1.5 million people uh, on our blog, uh, and we post what you do, Robert, and we have the no, I appreciate people that. on Thank Twitter, you. yeah, and we have them on Lincoln and Twitter, and so when you send it to me, you know, we retweet it out to other people, so when Gary out of Jacksonville sends us a list, or Richard... Uh, who is wanting to run for the governor or when Angela, who is either going to run for the governor, and I don't know if you know Angela or not, but she's also an African-American, ran for the U.S. Senate with me uh, when I ran in 2016. Uh, uh, and her her family is, is Christian pastors. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think we just need to get a, new, a whole new idea of who's running for office. And yeah. I, I mentioned this to you, Robert. Forty percent of the Americans today are no party, are independent, are not associated mm-hmm. with the Democrats and Republicans. They did mm-hmm. a statistical analysis. There's 3.5 million more voters voting than is actually registered for vote. So you go figure that one out, that the illegality <laughs> yeah. of the turn. And so when you want to know who is sponsoring, and I, I don't want to go against the, the League of Women, but the League of Women are ran by a political party. And mm-hmm. you cannot get into or speak or do things with certain groups of people that are being sponsored by political parties. When I did the senior citizen meetings up in Ocala and along uh, the Orlando area and places like that, Political parties were going in and taking the senior citizens into voting booths and showing them the candidate that that person that was assisting wanted them to vote for. So there's a lot of things going on today with computer fraud, uh, with the, uh, uh, the, the uh, people that are voting. Uh, the press, the press told me that uh, Sun Sentinel said 
well, we don't want you in our newspaper. We won't let you run an ad because you're not a Democrat or Republican. Um, mm-hmm. The group of people for abortions would not endorse me because uh, uh, anti-abortion. They wouldn't endorse me because I was a writing candidate. And so they endorsed Scott, uh, who never mm-hmm. stood up for or against uh, abortion. Uh, and here I'm the pastor that's going out and teaching the, and we filed suit against the Supreme Court. Uh, their illegality on uh, they, their terminology of what they call same-sex marriage instead of civil unions, uh, which, by the way, is going to get changed also. So there are just a lot of things going on. Call to duty.org, Robert, and, you know, you keep doing your show and, and let people like her on your show and it's a great guest to have somebody now we can finally say, okay, who are you? What do you stand for? What do you do? We'll put you on other shows. Well, you know, we certainly, uh, especially back in 2012, uh, after the primary, we interviewed a lot of folks from uh, the alternate parties, Green Party, the Constitution Party, Libertarian Party, American Party. We had got the guy from American Party here. Uh, and so, yeah, we've, we've definitely had and others. I mean, we, you can look at our list of the different guests we've had. Um, and, and someone mentioned, uh, might have been yourself, Joseph, or um, or you, uh, you know, somebody out there, I apologize for not remembering about, you know, they're, they're trying to protect uh, the Demo- you know, protect Barack Obama. And uh, we've got here, it's uh, an article I've, I've, I've pulled up here, it says, well, then on FISA memo, Dems media are protecting Barack Obama, and this is an article from yesterday. It says on his nationally syndicated radio show Monday, host Mark Levin briefly discussed the GOP FISA memo release and suggested that Democrats are the proletarian guard media are protecting Barack Obama. There's no way Obama didn't know about the applications and the actual securing of the warrant, stated Mark Levin. There's no way, and yet he's never asked about it. That's a very good point. And he's the one. He, and he's the one Democrat party is protecting. And he's the one uh, Praetorian media are protecting. Mark Levin's remark came after the White House released the FISA memo last Friday. Let's see if I can. <laughs> I don't know what's going on tonight. Uh, you know, people. I said it's got to be. It's got to be NSA. NSA Bob. Um, and let's see. No, I apologize for any delays. It says, below the transcript of Levin's comments from the show Monday, it says, Barack Obama had to know, at least generally, uh, what was taking place for multiple reasons. He's the one Democrats are protecting the most. He's the one the media are protecting the most. And oddly enough, it's Donald Trump who's in their crosshairs, uh, as if he knows any of this, and he knows almost none of it. Number one, the attorney general, and I think this was you, Dr. Tolbert, uh, or, or somebody, as I said, I can't remember who it was, uh, you're not – the Attorney General of the United States, Loretta Lynch, she knew about it. She wasn't bashful about revealing information. She met with Bill Clinton on the tarmac in Phoenix, and you know, and we all know the uh, the, the story about that. And of course, you know, with Andrew McCabe, he stepped down recently. Um, so, I, I, so I'm giving credit credits to who, who was the one who did Mark uh, who mentioned about the protecting Barack Obama. I I mentioned it. That you brought that up Yeah I, I really believe that people Don't fully understand and there's newspaper Articles now and there's papers and Documents out uh, proving That Obama is still behind And is now working directly With NATO 
and there's a lot of secretive meetings that he's doing through the uh, movement of taking over, and you're going to find that once they bring treasonable charges against Sawyer's, they have a they have the power, and they've done this before. They can actually freeze all of his assets. They could then take and remove him and his citizenship. And you're going to find that they should be doing the same investigations on the Bushes. And there's other political people that have actually committed treason. And our FBI, our CIA, and other government associations are actually moving us toward a non-American. NATO is divided uh, America up into 10 districts uh, where they've taken over the climate control, the EPA. So there's just a lot of things going on now, Robert, that the American part, the American people have no idea. The United States American people have no idea what's happening. Did you mean President Trump? You said um, treason on Sor- uh, Soros or whatever his name is. Yeah, I think I think that President Trump should file treasonable charges against Sawyer's, George Sawyer's, and that uh, his assets should be frozen. Uh, he should have his citizenship removed. Uh, there are nine countries that banned him. We should ban him from uh, America. We should take all of his assets and put it in our military. And that's one of the letters we wrote to the president. That's keeping everybody quiet. <laughs> hey, were you referring to the um, American Statesman on Blog Talk Radio on Monday night? American, It's a Blog Talk Radio show uh, with Sally on American Statesman on Monday night? We Yes, we did talk about that some on Monday night, John. Do you remember that? Can we hear each other? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. For some reason, John didn't answer the question. He asked the question. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed missed the last part then. I didn't know you asked me a question. I thought you were just answering my question. Yeah, I said that was what we were discussing on Monday, and you were on that show, correct? Oh, okay. I didn't catch the correct part. I, I just didn't know if that was the same show you were referring to when you mentioned earlier a Monday show. That's why I wanted yeah, that, to make sure I understood what you're no, talking about. I, there was another show yeah, on those, Monday. Those are the, yeah, the, yeah, I don't do the Tuesday show of Sally's. I only do the Monday show and the one Wednesday with Robert uh, because I can archive them and, and, and get them out in front of a lot of people, so... Well, and speaking of that, I, I, this is something fun I just found out. Uh, well, I do, I do, you know, once a month. Let's see if I can find it. And I want to do it before the top of the hour because the uh, – I don't think you'd get me disconnected, but uh, I, I did want to uh, show something. It's uh, where it's some statistics on the show. Now, once a month they revamp on who uh, geographically, not just the United States, but around the world listen to – uh, listen to the show, and so um, let's. Uh, I, I just think it's kind of interesting uh, what what they've come up with. And geographically, here are the. Uh, and speaking of the Russians, it looks like that the Russia Russian Federation 
is point six, and it's actually up a little bit. Sounds like um, is point six two percent of our listenership uh, for uh, I guess the past month. So the Russian Federation, I guess people in Russia listen to the show. They say point six two or half a percent, a little over half a percent of our listenership uh, is from uh, the Russian Federation. And then it has here the next in line at one point five percent. What's I'm sorry. Congratulations. Oh, thank you, thank on, you. And it says. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting that, 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 that the folks are here. Well, this, this one this one is different, than, uh, and we'll, we'll go up in a little bit, um, which I found interesting. And this this one I think is new, and I should just keep track of these because um, this is something new that, that, that they've been tracking. Uh, at 1.85% is the United Kingdom, so I guess all the different places in the United UK. Um, maybe some Ireland people in there, but I think that's just England actually. When I put the Ireland, it says less than 1%. But anyway, as it says, the Republic of Korea, which I find interesting. I know we've had some shows talking about North Korea, uh, but it looks like 3.9 of last month's uh, listenership, 3.09 of last month's listenership was from the Republic of Korea. And then Maui's still in there. i be honest, I can understand Russia. I can understand Korea. Maui? At 4.18%, I have no idea why people in Mali and Africa will be listening to the show. No idea, but there it is. <laughs> and then, of course, the United <laughs> States is the, the highest at 91.02% uh, of our listenership is from there. Uh, as I, I, I can understand, even the United Kingdom, so we've, we've actually had a few, re, uh, some of the, the long term listeners here, if you can recall, we have had had. Uh, a couple people who and I'm, I'm presuming that the ones in these other nations are probably listening to the uh, the archives, but we have had a, have had on a few occasions uh, someone from England call in, uh, you know, and give uh, you know and give their take on that. And also that article about Levin, you can see more of that on the Bard's Logic Little Talk website uh, on in the Bard's Logic Little Talk newsroom at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Um, so I just thought you know, that's that's an interesting stat that I like to uh, like to share with folks because uh, as I said, something they've only been doing the past two three months. Um, but you know, I, I just think it's kind of interesting. <laughs> so see what yeah, different people are calling yeah, from. Well, let's go ahead, John. But let's go ahead and bring you back in, and then uh, we're going to do our roundtable discussion here. And so what, what I mean by that is we'll get to you, John, and then uh, back up to you, Joseph. And then we'll have uh, yourself, Susan, and then we can uh, bring it back to you, Dr. Tolbert, and then uh, our, our guest on the line. And can I get your first name again, ma'am? Latresa. Latresa Jones. Latre- Latresa? Latresa? Yes. Latresa. Okay, Latresa. Right so, uh, yes. Okay, Latresa. Okay. Thank you, Latresa. And then let's go ahead and back, uh, back to you, John, and then we'll bring uh, Joseph back up. Go ahead. I was just going to ask you what if the stats told you how many of your total listeners were, and then I wanted to ask Mr. Tolbert when he was talking earlier based on what he was saying, it sounded like that you could deduct from what he was saying that all of the Washington establishment are the ones that's colluding with Russia, and they're using it mm-hmm. to defraud we the people about our president. Back to you. 
Well, that's what it kind of, yeah, that, that's what it kind of sounds like. Go ahead, uh, Dr. Culver. You want to answer that? Go ahead. Yeah, and and what's happening? It's the Russians trying to undermine the entire political system, and the Democrats and Republicans manipulating it against each other without bringing out the truthful thing. And back to your comments about your radio, 90% of my followers are Cambodia, Thailand, China, uh, North Korea, uh, South Korea, uh, uh, England, uh, Yugoslavia, Philippines. So on my Facebook and places, I have more. I'm kind of like Jesus. Nobody from where I live knows me. You know, so I don't know the impact. But, you know, when I post things out there, I do it in five different languages and I do it in uh, different prayer formats. So as a pastor, I'll put it out in in, in Kramer. Uh, that would be the standard language for the uh, uh, Thailand, Cambodia and countries like that. Uh, so we are exposing this show to many countries. And I think it's a good thing. Uh, but I think, go back to John's comment, uh, there is a coercion by the two political parties to undermine the United States, and Russia is making each one think that he, they are supporting one or the other political party in order to cause the downfall of America. Well, yeah, I, know, I think that's a, a, a large, you know, large part. I don't know how. Oh, go ahead, Leticia. But then I want to bring. Uh, I do. I do want to bring Joseph back in. Go ahead and answer that, and I want to bring it back, uh, back in, Joseph. So you want me to respond to what he said in reference to? Oh, no, yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and respond, and then I'm going to bring in Joseph. Okay. Well, I, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. They're they're both the same as well. So what it sounds like the. What we have to do is definitely continue to replace those uh, people in these positions, uh, and that's the biggest task at this particular point because they do come very organized, they come very strong, um, and morally they're totally wrong about everything that they're doing. I can even, even now I can tell you when um, I'm out here fundraising, I hear people say to me, we're going to wait and see uh, if Rick Scott gets in the race because this is where we need to put our money. But Rick Scott's not a viable candidate to beat Bill Nelson. So now it makes me think that it's about an agreement, just like Alabama, for example. Alabama was a total, it was it was already a bought election there, and you knew it when you got there, that it was a bought election. And even look at Mr. Jones, how he is he is indirectly supporting the president, but at the same time, it was a bought election. It was already a deal that was signed, sealed, and delivered, and they just served it up to us a little differently. Yeah, and that's one. What's and that's one of the things uh, to answer that, and then, and then Joseph, I want to bring it over to you uh, to answer that. Is one of the things we, you know, to be honest, we've been promoting on the show is is for people in, in, in both parties, and yes, even in the alternate parties. To uh, to come out and just pr- in primary a lot of these folks out in 2018. Now because of the position Trump's in, unfortunately, I think this would be great, but I don't think he would do it. What I would love to see Trump do is to come out and and show and and when I mean come out, I mean little literally physically go uh, to places and you know you know endorse support you know folks who are not. 
but basically Republicans or Democrats, you know, real grassroots, uh, you know, people, non-career politician people like himself uh, to, to, to run and get all these incumbents out really drain the cesspool, uh, which is, uh, you know, the, the politics. I wouldn't say the, the city itself is a cesspool, but just it's, it's the people there and, and, uh, and uh, the vaults of power there is what, I'm, what we mean, I'm sure. Uh, I would love to go back to, back to D.C. It's a, I really liked uh, visiting there. But anyway, um, but I don't think he will because think about it. I mean, if he goes out in 2018 and he supports – and because I think if he would get out and support a lot of the folks, I mean, people would vote for him. I mean, if he if, if Donald Trump came out and supported you for you know for your uh, for the Senate, yeah, I think you'd get a hell of a lot of votes out of that. Unfortunately, I don't think he will uh, because could you imagine he won't get anything done. He's having a hard time getting things done now. If he was to go out and and support you know non Republicans now, and and let's say when I mean non Republicans, I mean the people who I would say for him to support would be. Republicans who are looking to primary out the career politicians, but he's going to be mm-hmm. kind of forced to only support those people if he even can support those. Because even if he could think about it, if he supports them and not the incumbents, well, then they're going to give him even harder time uh, to try, you know, in getting any of his uh, agenda done. So he's kind of in a rock and a hard place between who he's going to support in 2018. Uh, in order to really, you know, clean that cesspool. But that being said, let's bring that back to you, uh, Joseph. Uh, Yeah, you know, um, first of all, I want to um, thank you, Latricia, for uh, coming on the show. And um, we really commend someone uh, like you who has the fortitude to uh, call out, um, you know, both sides and and say that you want to run as – a person above uh, above uh, party, uh, more like a candidate of country above party. But the sad part is, uh, and what many people don't realize, and I think I've discussed this, you know, a couple of years ago back on the show, is that, you know, the Democratic Party is the oldest political party that was founded after we gained sovereignty from England. And so were the Whigs which were um, formed by uh, Mm -hmm. former President Andrew Jackson. And Mm -hmm. uh, basically how the GOP came into existence in 1854, uh, it took a lot of members of the Whig Party who were not happy in the direction in which it was going, and they started in 1834. So it took about uh, over 25 years to form the GOP, Uh, And what really did that was the successful introduction of the Kansas-Nebraska Bill of 1854. And back then that was an act that dissolved the terms of the Missouri Compromise and allowed slave or free status to be decided in the territories by popular sovereignty. And that basically allowed the dissolve of the Whig Party or the disintegration of it. Uh, So it's happened before. Um, and I he- I've been hearing this argument uh, for the past 20 years of a lot of people going on record and saying, you know, what do we do to get another third viable party? And A, to do that, number one, it would have to be a party that would have 50-state national infrastructure. 
uh, as the Whigs once did have that power. And for the GOP to oust the Whigs, they had to have that power. And it took uh, almost 30 years uh, behind the scenes for them to develop the uh, party on that mass scale. B, what allowed the GOP to come into existence uh, was the fact that there was so much public outcry about the um, the public opinion against the Whigs in such form and opposition that enough people were able to do or take the necessary steps that it required to form a third party. Now, I don't see that happening uh, anytime soon. And one would think, you know, We've had 40 years to form a viable third party on a 50-scale uh, infrastructure. Um, and I think because that time was not utilized, more people spoke about it, but people didn't take the same actions uh, that were taken back in 1834 uh, by uh, half of the Whig party that was not happy in the direction it was going and said it was time to form a new party. And public opinion was greatly in favor of that. And I think that's where the big disconnect is. Public opinion has never been in favor in that large multitude to actually execute and to actually take the necessary steps to form a third viable national 50-state party. It's been done before. Many people forget that. Many people don't even realize it's been done, that the Republican Party is, is, uh, didn't exist until 1854. It was the Democrats and the Whigs up until then. And I honestly believe, Robert, that both parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, have reached a precipice of they are so powerful at this point, and they are so mm-hmm. corrupt. I think it's impossible for anyone on both sides to drain any swamps. I think we're beyond the point of no return on that. And I believe in my well, that's heart that's good. <laughs> And, and I don't mean to be pessimistic, but I'm being realistic. As someone who's always been a history buff, had the, the same steps or measures that were taken by, the, by half of the members of the Whigs to form the GOP, had those measures been taken 40 years ago, I'd say beginning around the LBJ administration when things started to go sour, um, and gradually administration by administration things deteriorated. Because many people still believe that America has come to the brink of almost collapse uh, just based on the George W. Uh, Bush administration and the Obama administration, uh, they really need to look up their history because if you study history, it did not take two administrations for us to be at the point where we're at right now, especially $21 trillion in debt in the hole and counting. It started in the LBJ administration. It started after the assassination of John F. Kennedy. It was the Democratic administration who wanted to go forth with one of the most costly wars in history and the only war on record in which we didn't win, which was the Vietnam War. And I believe had enough public opinion been able to sway 
uh, enough members of, of one of the two major parties to form a third viable political party, we, we would be in a different place today, Robert. And it would wow. have not enabled both political parties to gain so much power to the point where even if someone took 40 years starting from today to build one, they are so powerful to the point where they wouldn't even allow it. If anyone even tried to make a movement or public awareness or any way to perform, they would have the power, the money, the infrastructure to decimate anyone who would even dare try to say the words out with the Democrats or out with the Republicans. I, I believe it's the point of no return. How does one drain the swamp when the swamp exists in both pools? Can I get into I that, Robert, how. a second? Oh, yeah, certainly, Dr. Tolbert. Go ahead. And real quick, programming yeah, note, though, before you do, is we are getting ready to get into the extended period, uh, which means that uh, if make sure that you're, if you're using a mic or a phone or whatever way you're into the show, uh, that it's fully charged because if we lose your call, unfortunately, after the top of the hour, we will not be able to bring you back in uh, to the show. Uh, whereas uh, if you're listening to the show and you're not calling in at 347-945-7428, unfortunately, we will not be able to get into the show. You will be able to listen to the rest of the show in its entirety in the, in the podcast. Uh, you just won't be able to listen to and, and participate uh, in the extended period. So uh, please uh, uh, do what you need uh, so that you don't lose uh, your call or else we won't be able to bring you back into the show uh, at that. So that being said, uh, that's about 10 minutes until that happens, but let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Dr. Colbert. Thank you. Yeah, r- really trying to wrap it up. We did a uh, cost analysis, and it came down to $100 million for a political party to become the third political party in the United States. We, in fact, had the Prohibition Party endorse us, wanted to put their candidate on our ballot, and was paying the documents through Tallahassee for our constitutional paperwork, and the state of Florida refused to allow the uh, Prohibition Party uh, to be on the ballot, and that's how we ended up getting behind and helping the Constitution Party. But the point I'm trying to make is it's about cost. You win the Powerball and you get $300 million. You take $100 million and you establish offices through the 50 states, and once you have your office established, there are 40% of the Americans today are no party affiliated independent. We can move the people, but we would have to come up with our own news media, our own radio shows. We would have to get rid of all the major channels that are totally not going to be for a third political party. You'd have to get your own advertisement companies. You would have to get people yeah. on the street of the 40%. I mean, it's just an extended workforce and it's an absolute minimum a hundred million dollars today and you could do it in five years and that means you would not do it in the 220 election but if somebody had the the resources and i hate to say at some point in time somebody's going to have it but i really believe we will see america back where God is the one that is directing it. We're not going to be directed in the manner that we're being directed. Uh, We are going to awaken our eyes to the 
problems that atheists have created, and you have to realize all the movements under political parties are governed by atheist ideas and ideologies. It is not a Christian viewpoint we're having in America today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, may I ask you? Yeah, well said. Topic? I mean, that would be, uh, well, yeah, go ahead and, uh, Leticia, go ahead and we'll, uh, your comments on that because, uh, and I agree. I mean, gosh, $100 million. I mean, it sounds like a lot of money, but I don't think it's something that's outside of the realm of uh, the possibilities. But I will say I am full agreement with what kind of infrastructure that's going to need to be have in order to, you know, <laughs> to be able to be successful in such a, a monumental uh, endeavor. Yeah, uh, go ahead. You're absolutely yeah. right. And the morals and the values are definitely not here anymore. Uh, and I believe in God. I believe in miracles. And I think that from this conversation, what it says is that we have to really continue to be a praying people and God works, and that's how God operates, and he moves, and he puts, it's just like David and Goliath. It, you know, we've heard stories over and over again because the work has to be done. And I want to make sure you understand, I in my election in 2014, I ran as lieutenant governor, and I only did it to, with an independent so I can get a little bit of name recognition. I was on the ballot maybe about three weeks, and we got about 20,000 votes, which was pretty good. So I've been on the ground. Uh, and I've been doing things in the communities as well. So I'm, I'm known to people also, especially throughout the communities, uh, the inner cities, I'll say, in the state of Florida. But I am running as a Republican because of the very reason that when you run as an N- NPA, and just look at it in Florida now, they just um, they don't we don't we won't even have open primaries because they didn't want open primaries. I personally thought open primaries would be a good thing for us to have personally just because that way the NPAs or the independents can vote in the primaries. Right now I'm going to have to go up against, um, if Rick Scott gets in this race, I'll go up against him in those primaries. And it's okay because I feel as though at the end of the day I, I believe in hope. I believe in God. I have grandkids. A lot of us do. We want to see something better. And and for me to tell them, to tell all these kids on a regular basis to believe, believe in what you don't see, I have to be that example. I have to follow what God has told me to do as an individual. And I continue to move that way as well because we have to have hope in this country. That's what this country was built on. It was built on dreams. It was built on God first. And I'm going to continue to take that stand because it has to happen. And he'll give me everything that I need because that's what he tells me. He'll give me everything that I need because I don't have $100 million. Um, And I do know that this system is a system that you have to challenge. I actually was talking to Father Daughtery here in Ocala, and he had told me, you know, he made uh, Mother Teresa's complete speech that she did at the uh, National Prayer Breakfast. And he says a, a prophet is someone that's going to challenge America. You're going to challenge the government. That's what a prophet is in his eyes. And it was just so touching for me because that, that, those are the things that motivate me to continue to keep going because, yes, they do come. And believe it or not, when you challenge them, they're nasty, especially when you take a stand um, 
as a Republican, and I had to take that stand because of the value system that I personally have, but I have to challenge what's wrong about the things that I see and the direction that we're going in. And I believe one person can make a difference. As 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 much information as you all have, I, I believe in God first. I believe that he has a purpose and a reason for all of this, and it has to be challenged. Because I'm looking at all these numbers, $100 million, that's, that's, that's nothing to these people. It's absolutely nothing when you can go out here and dump $100 million into a campaign. We are in a place where you're, we're spending a billion dollars on a presidential race. You know what that says to people? That says they don't want to get in. They don't want to challenge it because they are afraid of those numbers. But they're just numbers because God created everything. And that's that's my point and my position at this particular point. Uh, and that's how I'm going to continue to take that stand. I put God first. The abortions, there are so many things, you know, that uh, people are still suffering out here. They need that hope, and we have to be, we have to walk like Jesus walked because that's our purpose. Isn't that right, Dr. Tolver? Our purpose yeah. is to be as close to Jesus as we possibly can. And if we say we're Christians, it's no way we can say there's no hope. We can't say that. I'll never say that because I know where and, I've come from as far as me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, and I agree with you. Mrs. Timmons ran with me for governor. She's a black American. She ran as my lieutenant governor in 2014, and I'm an apostle, and I got pulled into the ministry in 1999 by God, and I have one assignment, and that's to bring God back into America and return the power back to the United States people. That's that's my only assignment, my direct communications with the president, with the attorney generals, with the governors, the senators. All I've been doing for the last 20 years, I got my two masters, my doctor degree, retired military, but my whole assignment is exactly what you said. And given that there is going to be a third political party, given it is mm-hmm. going to be ran by Christians and not by atheists, given mm-hmm. that the people on the street will take back America and it will not be ran by the politicians, this is prophesized, this is going to happen. And everybody just can say what they want, but God is never wrong in making correction. Never, ever. And let's go ahead and bring things back around. We are at the, about the near top of the hour, so definitely do not let uh, your uh, mics drop. And let's go ahead. I want to go ahead and bring uh, Susan back in and then uh, John, and we'll uh, – Bring up, and I'd like to see because uh, we didn't get uh, your take, uh, Dr. Tolbert, and uh, yourself, Leticia, on the State of the Union address. I'd like to get uh, what your take on those uh, it is from you two. But first, let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Susan, and then John, and then I'd like to get your both your take on that. Uh, go ahead, Susan. Uh, where what are we commenting on Trump's speech? Well, no, I mean, those, well, those two, because I didn't get their commentary last week on that. Uh, you oh, know, so, you okay. Know. Gotcha. And I'm actually bringing, uh, uh, I'm kind of, uh, kind of opining here, because I actually, uh, Trump was in, uh, uh, Trump was in Cincinnati uh, Monday, 
and I did get uh, at least a, a kind of an opportunity to be in the the motorcade, and then get into uh, uh, the pen where I've actually could have been able to have a few words with them and, and things of that nature. Unfortunately, there was a communication gap. <laughs> I'm so mad still a little bit. Uh, uh, there was a, communi- a communication gap between the guy I was, uh, uh, you know, was, was texting with and, and an email that I received. There re- I received an email, but I wasn't told that I received the communication uh, on Sunday. And on Sundays, I, I rarely check. Uh, my emails, and, and, and so I actually missed the opportunity to uh, to speak with them on Monday, and it would have been a great opportunity to do so because uh, one of the things I've, I've been trying to get a hold of is Jim Renassi, who's running for Senate, uh, who was actually asked by Trump to to run for the Senate, and he actually he, he was he was uh, going to run for governor in Ohio, and, and, and Renassi said uh, that you know he would drop out of that race in order to. Uh, you know, if, if Trump asked him, and, and Trump did, and I, I had an opportunity. I don't know if uh, Renassi was there. I don't see any pictures or anything from somebody, but it was definitely an opportunity that uh, just. And this is where communication is key. I mean, just one missed text, uh, really. So I mean, I'm going to try to make you know make up for it. Not that I'll be able to speak directly with Trump I, how I could have then uh, at that opportunity, but I'm still trying to you know. Uh, I wanted to give a guy a break. Yesterday was his birthday. The guy who, who kind of didn't tell me. Uh, so, but I'm, I'm going to be back on with him. So, so how about you know you you pulling those strings with trying to get uh, uh, the, a gubernatorial candidate on uh, on the show who also uh, is currently the lieutenant governor of the state. Uh, so we trying to get you know lately it's you know we used to as you, as you all know uh, get folks on here. Uh, you know, pretty much, but I don't, I don't know why we have it as much lately, but I'm going to have to look into that. But anyway, let's go ahead and, and bring it back to you, Caesar, then and John. Then I do want to get uh, their take on the State of the Union address. Uh, is, is there anything you'd like to add, Susan? Um, no, not really. I think <laughs> I think you're still <laughs> thinking about the Russian and African connection here. <laughs> listening to you, um, which I think is awesome, really. I mean, <clears throat> that if this kind of a message is being heard in other countries is actually good. Our thoughts and whatever uh, shows them that not all Americans are eating Tide Pods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? I, I, you know what? I, we brought that up here. We brought that up here on the show, uh, and you brought it in. Actually, you brought that in, Steve, yeah. into the show just from something, and then boom, they start talking about it. You know, we we had it here. We start. They start talking about it on Fox about people eating Tide Pods and how it's a thing. It wasn't. A, it, they didn't. It didn't make a lot of news, but it was still something that that made its way up there. Um, so I, I thought that was fascinating, you know, you know, where, you know, the grassroots talk about stuff can, can actually make it to, you know, your more national news, but let's go ahead and bring it back, John, and we'll, then we'll get, uh, I'm going to, their take on, leave. on the state union. So oh, you got to go. Okay. Well, I appreciate, with, uh, yeah. I appreciate you coming to the show, Susan. I, I understand. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll see you next week and then. Of course, who knows what news of the day there will be then. Yeah, <laughs> but appreciate you coming here tonight. Yeah. Have a good night. Yeah. Bye. 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 B
You too. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Man, let's go ahead and bring it back to you, John. Yeah, well, everybody's talking about the Lord, man. It got me riled up here. You know, Matthew seven twelve refers to how we should treat others uh, the way we want to be treated. And First Timothy five eight says, if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse worse than an infidel. That right there tells me we have to start at home first and take care of our immediate family. And as long as we have people in poverty and that are dealing with crime and they need a life worth living and a standard of living that makes, you know, them a positive contributing member of society, then if we help them have their say in governing, make sure their will is enacted, codified, and ratified as an equal citizen, then they're, you know, self-governing and a free person. So we want to try to get out the word to help make sure that Trump and all these voting that they're doing in Congress doesn't actually corrupt the process in, you know, I'm struggling for the right words to say, like always. But anyway, we want to make sure that the people at home are taken care of before we have more foreigners because the corporations, they need workers. Well, why do we have so many people on social welfare and on unemployment and in food stamps? They deserve the right to claim those jobs before we bring any foreigners in here because crime in those co- in those communities is just going to get worse if you add more people to the public dole. And we got enough people on the public dole, and they need to get out. Now, trying to control all this stuff, call your congressman and let them know, represent your legal citizen, and do not represent the non-citizen over the legal citizen, abolish the IRS, and we got to figure out how to do some kind of class action lawsuit, you know, get rid of this two-party system. They're colluding to nullify we the people's right to self-govern, and then they get to exclusively govern. See, the party system is not really bad in the sense that it exists. It's bad because they want to exclude the rest of us from being able to self-govern. They want to just govern all of the rest of us without us having any opportunity to have mutual assent in the rules, laws, processes, and procedures that we are burdened and encumbered by. So, therefore, they just want us to be legislative slaves, you know, represent us like a pimp represents a prostitute. We've got to do a class action lawsuit or something to stop that, and we've got to be able to stop the government-sanctioned theft you know, taking all of our tax money and then they spend it the way they want to without our consent, against our will, whether we approve of it or not, regardless of what it is. Because, I mean, otherwise we're not treating others the way we want to be treated. We're actually using the government as a weapon to steal from them and then spend it on what we want to spend it for and de- denying them the right to tell us no. And then we got to stop this government fraudulent misrepresentation nonsense, the undue influence and conflict of interest, when they get to decide everything about governing for their benefit, all their parachute, you know, pension plans, parachute health, parachute current um, salaries and benefits, and then they do it to our expense and to our detriment. And then they pass the laws to burden and encumber us, and we don't get to say no. Come on, people, you are equally valuable. You're equally important. You're equally worthy. And if you don't stand up for yourself, and if I don't, you know, we don't stand up for our fellow man, 
that we're not worthy of the benefit ourselves. We should be in their same position. Drain the cesspool for sure. But we got to have some action plans, Mr. Robert. Somebody's got to be the leader and help us figure out a call of action to overthrow some of this stuff. I do want to know, Mrs. Jones, do you have your own website? I do. What is it? It's Latresa, L-A-T-E-R-E-S-A, Jones, J-O-N-E-S dot com. LatresaJones dot com. Hey, Latrice, you, do you know who you'll be uh, you'll be running uh, against in the primary? Rick Scott. <laughs> was there any? Is there any others besides Rick Scott? Is it just you and him at this point, or? Uh, I think there are a few other ones that are on there, but I, I'm just not certain at, at this particular time. I think there's ten people now running for the U.S. Senate uh, as Republicans. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. It's really messed up right now, and there Is are it really. That, I didn't see that many, Doctor Talbot, on there. They must have yeah, just gone in the way. I haven't looked at the actual thing, but I've been listening to the uh, uh, reports of this people over that person over this person. You know, um, and the governor, I think, now is up to twenty-two people running for the governor of Florida. Yes, it's definitely twenty-two people for the governor of Florida. But as far as when I last checked, there's actually only four. They asked, there were a couple people, they asked Hulk Hogan to run. He uh, said no. And then there was another person, a couple other people that denied or declined uh, to run as well. So right now I think there's about three or four. I think there was a gentleman that ran before. Um, I do believe he possibly dropped out of the race as well. I think that as far as uh, maybe about there's a Mr. Smith that's on there. It's about two or three other ones, but I, yeah, we're not as heavy as they are. Yeah, what's happening, they're waiting to the 1st of June in order to file the paperwork, so they're on the uh, thing. They have to do that the first week of June, I believe. And because mm-hmm. of that, they're, they're people that are talking about it, but they're waiting until the last moment because – Economically, it is better just to hold back until then, uh, yep. and then you're going to see the big push. Mhm, mhm, mhm. And that's why so, they're holding out in reference to campaign donations as well. I, I right. and I, I have to say that because that's what they're doing. But that's a strategy. So what I've been right. doing is on the ground trying to get petitions signed, and it's required for me to have 128,000 petitions. Uh, to be Correct. on the ballot opposed to paying the $11,000. Correct. And we filed a lawsuit against So it's $11,000 or 128,000 uh, signatures. Correct. That's correct. Isn't that a racket? Is that yeah. not enough money? That is <laughs> such a racket. So you don't have to worry about the 128,000 signature requirements if you give the party $11,000. Correct. And the problem is that money goes to the political party, no matter if you're no party or well, I think it's like 7,800 if you're no party. But the right. point is, is the money goes into a kitty that supports the Republican or the Democrat candidate, and it does not go back to anyone else. So it's a real uh, illegal thing that's doing. We actually filed one of our class action suits. Uh, we took to the Supreme Court about the division of elections. 
and the Election Commission is an actual illegal organization. Uh, we're trying to get them to be closed the way they're handling. Uh, they're actually preventing people to run for election because they they want to be part of who is choosing the actual candidate. So that's one of the major problems that is there. Um, you want me to pick up real quick and then let her have the floor on uh, Trump's speech? Uh, yes, go ahead. All right, let me let me just say that our 66-page document is going to 50 countries, and 80% of what Trump covered, uh, you could pretty much document it out of our 66-page document. Um, I think what he said about the felons, what have you said about taxation, uh, going back to people's comments, you close the IRS, you open H.R. 25, which was originally written by the Republicans out of Georgia and Texas. Uh, the current uh, uh, taxation program is actually falling in line with H.R. 25. Uh, we're a high supporter of that, and that I think that's where the president was heading. Uh, he got into education. He got into closing down uh, the way education is being ran. We get into that with that we need more trade schools. Uh, he got into trade schools. Uh, he got into the felon program. Uh, mm -hmm. which we filed charges against the state of Florida and the federal government on. Uh, he is um, uh, definitely looking, and I'm one of the guys that had to go in the Army or go to jail at 17, so I'm definitely a supporter on uh, on-the-job training. Uh, he got into that. Uh, he did some things with some people that I'm not sure that I agreed with some of the people that he had on the floor. He had the guy from China that came in from South of Korea and lost his legs. And I think he could have found an American that had that same audacity uh, rather than a, a South Korean that went to China. Uh, I was a little bit against that because I don't think we should have done that. He brought in that Detroit was going to be built. And he, whether you heard it or not, they're opening Honda up in a dealership, uh, factory in Detroit. Uh, I'm against mm -hmm. Honda building factories in Detroit. Uh, Chrysler is getting bought out by uh, China. He did not bring that subject up, uh, mm -hmm. that he's talking about bringing tariffs and things. But what he didn't bring up is that uh, Ford Motor Company now is in Mexico, uh, France, Belgium, uh, and a couple other countries. And that if they bring him back here, it's only going to happen if you close the IRS and that you open that people called consumption tax. You pay your taxes at time of purchase means you choose to pay taxes by not buying a product of a certain nature. Um, there is a limitation of things that he covered, uh, but I couldn't find anything that I would totally disagree with. So I pretty much was in support of what he said, but how much of it came from the documents we wrote under calledtoduty.org is always going to be a question, but I think it was a really good speech. Agreed. Next. And what do you think? Go ahead. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, yes, I actually think it was a good speech as well. I think it was um, overall. I think that 
his delivery was very good on it. Uh, I'll touch base on some of the other things in reference to the um, the Black Caucus as far as, uh, you know, it's so interesting to have this conversation because in Tonight we've also discussed about that we have a two-party system that works hand-in-hand together to divide the country. So that was something definitely put in play. I think that it was something that continues to motivate the black community to be angry. Uh, And, yes, we are United States of America and Americans. I do believe that as well. But at the same time, I just had a conversation before I got on this call from Detroit because remember I'm a I was born and raised in Detroit on the east side so I know what a thriving city looks like. I go there because I have kids and grandkids there as well. I travel there on a regular basis. I think that for me it was motivating, but for many people right about now they're working. They are working in Detroit. I think as far as the economy is concerned, I like to the the felons, for example, that's another major issue because I don't think anyone realizes how in the state of Florida for felons to get their rights back, and as Dr. Tolbert has said, that it's going to be on the ballot, and it's about time that it's on the ballot. So now you're going to have a lot of motivated people voting in this primary and in the general election because they do want people to have their rights back. Right now I think it's been behind about, what, 10, almost 15 years for people to get their rights back that's already served their time. And what's so interesting about that, Rick Scott would sit there as though he was he's God is what he's been playing to a lot of people's lives. He picks and he chooses. People would have to come before him and tell them why they deserve to get their rights back. And he was the sole person to make that decision, which was totally unconstitutional. That is just too much power for one person to have over other people's lives. Uh, So I think that our president did do a very good job as far as trade schools. Everybody's not going to college. Everybody's not college material. We have a lot of entrepreneurs as well. Those are things that I I can say to people that are out here, especially the young kids, because these kids want to see a future. They want to know what's going to happen for them, you know, A lot of them have college debt still, and we didn't touch base on that. I didn't hear the president talk about it unless I overlooked that part of it. Um, And they have bills that they'll have to pay and that they're continuing to pay as well because the college debt, you know, it's crazy. It's it's off the roof right now. And not only that, you have a lot of older people that have went back to college with this debt. But the overall conversation, I personally think of the president is very good, but the Movement of the people, I think they're still angry, and I constantly think that they are race baiting out here, which is the reason that we have such a divide. I never saw anything like this before. You know, just bringing up the student debt, I've got a quarter of a million dollars in student debt. I went back to school in 2000, did my bachelor's, my master's in theology, my master's in education, and my doctor degree. And they just formed a new policy under my 501c3. They finally recognized it as a public uh, organization that I'm actually serving the public. And you mm-hmm. had a 10-year waiting period before your debt could be forgiven. Mm-hmm. So wow. God is God. God is uh, looks like my quarter of a million dollars of student debt is going to get wiped out. Um, 
one of the things that bothered me is that when they about the African American, the Black Americans' uh, unemployment went down, uh, none of the Black Caucus or the Democrats stood up and applauded that. But I want to bring right, up the point. Yeah, mm-hmm. our unemployment rate is not three or four percent. The actual rate is eighteen to twenty-two. And the way they figure these numbers out, if you don't apply for unemployment, if you drop out of the workforce, if you change and not trying to get a job, you're not considered as part of that unemployment figure. So if you go and do your research, you'll find your true numbers are over 18%. And if you go into the first number highest is your African-American black male or the most highly unemployed of anybody in the United States and that the Hispanic people are holding more jobs today than your white males are. So you have a real problem in the way the structure of our employment is today and it's not being properly presented to the American people. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, two, two wow. of the things. That, well, I was gonna say two, two of the things uh, that, that I wanted to, uh, and then we'll bring uh, folks back in to you know to answer to, you know, make comment or re, you know replies to what, what you two said. Uh, now, my, for me, two things that I thought were missed opportunities. Uh, I know one's you know quite controversial, and, and it was back in the '80s as well. Is when Trump was, and I'm gonna definitely get your take on this, Doctor Tober, being you know in the military or been in the military is that one of the things that when Trump was talking about, uh, you know, protecting us against uh, North Korea and the nuclear threat. And actually our, our friend uh, Joseph on the line, he was uh, in Hawaii when, or he lives there now, uh, when they had that, you know, when they had that scare there, <laughs> you know, uh, about the, about the threat. So, the, I mean, this, this could really you know, affect him or um, probably, you know, or, or maybe more than anyone else here on the call. Um, and that is uh, when he brought up protecting us, I was hoping he'd bring up something about bringing back uh, SDI, which of course uh, folks are the strategic defense initiative. So uh, what's your thoughts on uh, the strategic defense initiative and the possibilities of bringing uh, that program back? I know well, when they did have it, it was more of a, a deterrent than anything that was actually uh implemented or, or even can be done. Uh, but now, with, you know, with ten, today's technology and, and uh, all kinds of countries trying to answer the space race, I mean, we have uh, China who is working on, you know, landing you know, equipment on the dark side of the moon, uh, which is, through my understanding, never been done. Um, and so, you know, the, the race, I think the space race is here again. And I really believe that, you know, those who, you know, our first uh, to make it, or, or even in our case, make it back, uh, and able to, you know, have different things in space. I think is, you know, with energy resources, you know, just uh, discovery, you know, things of that nature. Let's even say national clout. Uh, I think we're going to bring that. But let's bring it back to SDI. What's, what's your thoughts on on us working on or maybe reinvigorating the SDI program? Yeah, one, I'm in agreement with you, but number two, that if I was the president of the United States or the direct advisor, which is in one of my letters, 
I would not tell the American people, the American press, or anyone how I'm going to defeat North Korea, how I'm going to prepare and move one million soldiers, how I'm going to take and reorganize the entire military in order to defend. Uh, There is a procedure we presented in the uh, anti-terrorism article that we wrote on how to go about that. Uh, We are a firm believer that the president has to keep things quiet until after he does it. I think if you come out and make a statement about something, you then prepare Russia and China to get North Korea more prepared because you got to remember all your money in North Korea is from China and is from Russia. My personal opinion, if you're going to boycott somebody, you should be boycotting Russia and China because they're the one with all the funding. The oil that came out of Venezuela that went to Panama, it was put on a ship that was a Chinese ship, went to North Korea after we had the sanctions. I think there's more involved under the table than many of the people realize. I think the president has to uh, get more involved and put pressure on China and Russia which will close down everything North Korea is doing. Okay. Well, then I guess I already. If you want to, if you have any additions you'd like to to add to that, or perhaps any questions, uh, Joseph, you are welcome to. But real quick, another thing I was hoping to hear, and I, I mean, I, I'm not surprised, and and perhaps I, you know, have high expectations. I was really hoping to have him with a. JFK ask, uh, you know, bring back, you know, get us back to the space race and, you know, work on getting back to the moon and going on to Mars and stuff like that. Be, yeah, at least when it made mention, because he did make, you know, you know, when we put our minds to it, we could do anything and, you know, things of that nature. And he did bring up, you know, science and technology, but he, I mean, he really didn't give much details. Uh, but anyway, let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Joseph, and if you have any uh, comments or, or questions for either one of those. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know I'm going to get into a a sensitive subject, which I I try to refrain myself um, from getting into. And um, I run into this problem a lot of times when I've worked on campaigns and I've done voter engagement, uh, sitting down with everyday uh, average folks, uh, telling their real stories. And... um, you know, you know, when I first called to your show, I was full of enthusiasm and hope and was really excited about, um, you know, oh, I was yeah. not happy about the aftermath of the 2012 election. But when I called in, I, all I kept on focusing on was things will get better in 2016. Um, uh, I'm not an ideologue. I never have been. I'm, I'm, I'm a pragmatist. Um, ideologies, I I believe, you know, people are entitled to have them. Who am I to tell another person whether they should or not? That's not my place. Um, But I do find that a lot of people, especially in both political parties, they have a bad habit of wanting to impose their ideology upon other people. And if, God forbid, you disagree, uh, you've uh, violated a sin. And the one thing that I've been I've been very consistent always on your show 
is I've always emphasized that although social issues are of a great importance, uh, if we don't address the fiscal issues first, there won't be a country left for any social issues if we go bankrupt like Greece. And currently we owe over $20 trillion in debt and we are on an unsustainable level and we are heading towards Greece. And I hear a lot of people still religiousizing in politics. And that is, in my opinion, if, if a candidate wants to do that, that's fine. That's on their own accord. But mark my words, those candidates don't successfully get elected. The last thing people want to hear, people who are hurting, people, the middle class, the lower um, uh, class, who are struggling, who can't put food at their table, the last thing they want to hear is, um, you know, I'm running in the hopes because God told me to run, and you should come to God. And it's like people don't want to hear it. You know, you got to address what the people want to hear, and it's the fiscal issue. Now, if we were not $20 trillion in debt, if we were talking about where we were at in the 90s or where we were at in the 80s, in the height of, of Ronald Reagan when our economy was booming, hey, you know, bring up all the social issues you want. Have all the debates you want, pro-life, pro-choice, uh, you know, DOMA, when DOMA existed. Um, and, and, you know, and, those were hu- and those were huge. Remember, and those issues were huge in the 2000 election. Go ahead. Oh, they were. Mm-hmm. They were. But, you see, that's where – I believe my fellow Republicans, they take the eye off the ball in that regard when they don't campaign as a fiscal conservative. As they allow the Democrats pin them in the social issues because they come out making the social issues a priority. And at the end of the day, the American people are not going to vote and have not voted many people who have run on a, a strong religious platform. Look at Donald Trump, for example. He did not run on a strong, conservative, social, orthodox platform. Quite the opposite. Uh, Many Mm -hmm. people stated that his social policies were more in line with the Democrats. But what people revered about him is he was very aligned as a fiscal conservative, although I do agree with you, uh, he's more of a populist than anything. That's what captivated America to vote for him. That's what made the impossible the possible. He ran as, yes, social issues are important, but we need to take care of the fiscal issues first. And that was the focus of his campaign. That's why on election day, the people that were not factored in the polls came out and said, you know what, it's about time we hear a politician finally saying that their main focus is the fiscal issues. Then we can debate atheists against religious people, all these other things. There's a time and a place for everything. But if we don't get our fiscal house in order and uh, the numbers are accurate coming from the Congressional Budget Office, if we stay in this trajectory, we're looking at about 10 to 15 years of going bankrupt like Greece. There will be no country left to discuss any social issues. They will be dead. And I've always emphasized that on this show. We need to take care of our fiscal house first. That should be the number one priority. 
and yet we still have people talking about how they feel they are ordained by God to run. And if they run, it's so important that they run as a pro-life candidate. And it's like the people who are hurting could care less about that. They want to know, how are we going to get food back on the table? How am I going to feed my five children? What do I have to do for wages to go up so I don't have to work uh, two to three jobs a day, paycheck to paycheck? That's what the people who are hurting want to hear. And I hear these politicians are not listening to the people. And that's how Donald Trump won. Donald Trump stood the entire campaign on the message of governing as a fiscal conservative. We need to get our fiscal house in order. That was the priority, and it resonated with the people who were hurting, and the numbers came out. And on election day, the unthinkable became the thinkable. The, the, the voiceless, who have not been heard for decades, who have been ignored because everyone wants to impose their, ideolo- their ideology on them mm-hmm. and tell them what they should believe in, and mm-hmm. we're not addressing the issues, they finally said, you know, enough. I'm going to go with Trump. This guy speaks my language. He's not telling me what I should believe in religiously. He's not telling me whether I should be pro-life or pro-choice, even though he stated with his stances. He's telling me how he's going to make America great again. And he's telling me how he's going to do it fiscally. And that is what we need to get back to. And one more point, and then I'll, I'll leave it at that, informing another um, third political party it's a lot more complicated, and that's why I would disagree uh, that it would take five years. I'll give you an example. Um, for instance, Bernie Sanders, when he found out that the DNC was, uh, gonna sa- was sabotaging his campaign and they were going to make Hillary the nominee, let's say hypothetically he would have joined the Green Party as their nominee, right? Hypothetically, let's say he would have taken states from both Clinton and Trump and come in with enough electoral votes to actually, or he would have came in with enough electoral votes to deny Clinton or Trump the 270 uh, electoral college votes they needed to win. Then the Constitution states that the House of Representatives gets to pick the next president. And in order to get elected, one of the three needs to get 26 out of the 50 votes in the House. Okay? So it's a lot more complicated to build a third party Because do you actually think that the Republican establishment, as powerful as they are, or the Democrat establishment are going to say, sure, we'll take your $100 million. Oh, and by the way, although we are the ones who control the Senate and the House, and we have the power to get rid of the Electoral College or change it to make make it so that a third party can win, they're not going to give the time of day. And that's where I try to be as objective as possible and as realistic as possible based on the numbers. And I don't like to miss ideology with politics because it opens up Pandora's box. And I am a spiritual person. I believe in God. But I will not mix politics with religion in the name of religion to justify my actions or as a justification to impose my beliefs upon others because that's not what Jesus Christ did. If anything, Jesus Christ was not in any way imposed his belief. He spread the word of God and he said, 
those who want to follow, feel free. But those who don't want, I will not condemn you in any way. Now, that's the yeah. spirituality that I believe in, but I don't mix that with politics because I believe it has no place. Not with us $21 trillion in debt, not with the whole Middle East wanting to obliterate us in Israel off the face of the earth, and not with North Korea, Iran, and Russia having enough nuclear missiles to create a, a, a World War Three nuclear holocaust and obliterate the whole world off off, off the map. So, Can I respond you know, to that I, a little bit? That's where I come from, you know. Mm-hmm. And well, and I want to. Go ahead. No, no, no. That's 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 all I had to say uh, um, on that because, point. And and I'll okay. leave it at that. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, I want to say this to you. I want to say this as far as when you talk about people. When you talk about those people that worry about the food that's on their table, you're absolutely right. Do you think, what can you possibly do if if somebody sends a nuclear bomb, it's just done and over with? That's one thing. Now, but let's talk about the people. When we start talking about the actual people, we have to realize who actually put Donald Trump in office and the reason he motivated them. People wanted something different. That's why Donald Trump won. He was what we would call the non-establishment candidate. Now, what we do see in place, and believe it or not, yeah, we know we have this huge debt that has to be addressed. But nothing's going to get addressed if you're constantly putting the same kind of people there because people are tired. People don't even have hope anymore. How often do you talk about those people you're talking about? Those people I talk to every day. I see them every day. I see the senior citizens. The senior citizens are worried about their Medicaid. They're worried about their prescription costs. Those are the things that people are actually worried about. They're worried about when they go to the doctor and they have to pay, you know, they have to decide, is it my medication over my food? Yes, they're worried about those things. They're worried about I've paid into a system for years, and, you know, is this system going to be able to help take care of me or give me back what I've paid for. Once again, when we're starting to talk about the people, you have to be realistic about who put Donald Trump in office because there's a lot of angry people. They feel as though he is just a rich guy, and that's why people are angry. They are emotionally angry. They don't feel like they have hope. And when we start talking about these huge numbers, do you actually think people – you know, that's a depressor. And even listening to you, people need energy. They still need hope at the end of the day. They want to know, where, yes, where their food meal is coming from. You know, right now it's tax time. People see a difference in their taxes. They see an increase in their taxes. And it's unfortunate how our society is, but we need to be realistic here. Our society feeds on the moment. That is how people respond People respond to their feelings and their emotions. What you're talking about is at a whole nother level. You're mixing those people that's down here, the voters, the people that I get out here and I talk to, and I know that I represent uh, when I am running for a public office because that's what they need. They still need hope at the end of the day. At the end of the and if somebody decides to blow this earth up, well, heck. What are we going to do about it? 
We can't control those things, and people are not trying to hear those things. The only thing they see is politics as usual. Now, can there possibly be a revolt in this country as far as this two-party system? Of course it, it can, and it has happened over the years, and it's happened not just because you count 40 years. It's happened because people have taken their emotions and they have become sick and tired of being sick and tired. And, yes, poverty is real. We have veterans out here, and those things are real as well. People are angry. So what I am saying to you is that I understand the debt that we have, but even from the conversation we had earlier, you're sitting here telling somebody got on this telephone and listened to that conversation Huh, you sound like there's no hope at all. And even with you, when you have a Congress and a Senate that's against a president, you have a huge problem because that debt will not be solved under any circumstances unless we solve, we have to continue to solve the problem. You have to deal with the core issue like anything else in order to solve any problems that we're dealing with in this country. And I think as far as being non-establishment, that's what it brings to the table. It takes fighters. Do you think that it's an easy task to step up and go against the big monsters? Absolutely not. They do silly things. They put holes in your tires. They put holes in your gas tanks. I mean, these are serious issues that we deal with, and people just want some hope right now. When you go into the grocery store, what's the first thing people are saying that they never said before? 20 years ago, they didn't say, God bless you. People need hope out here. And if we're so dry, what happens is we push them away. They, you know, they close the door. They are being fed so much information throughout the, the Internet, throughout the cost of living is rising. Even down here in Miami, you're absolutely right. Nobody's talking about housing, affordable housing. These are issues. The cost of groceries are skyrocketing, and the pay is not going up as fast as the cost of living. And we are living in a society of the have and the have-nots. But to honestly say that, oh, yeah, people put Donald Trump in office because he talked about the economics? No. That's, that wasn't. They wanted something different. They wanted something that looked totally different, and they put a lot of emphasis, and they gave him a lot of power to say that the president can do that. But now what we see, the president cannot do this by himself. He can't drain a swamp by himself when he has so many people going against him. We have to continue to put the people in place to help him support his agenda, because it's not about my agenda. He's a businessman. That's why I support him, because he is a businessman. And we have to have common sense economics in anything we do. I mean, everybody knows if you sit at a table, you have to eliminate what you don't need and what's wasteful spending. Bottom line, it doesn't take a genius to figure it out. It's just like your home. It's just like when you're sending your kids to college or anything else. But I want to make sure we understand People, yes, they deal with right now. What's the attention span for most people? By tomorrow, it'll be a whole nother conversation. And that is how we are, this is how society is right now. So you have to meet people where they are at. I'll let Dr. Talbert go to the rest of that. But change, change happens, and it does happen. It happens when people 
are sick and tired of being sick and tired because that's what happened in the 60s. That's how that movement occurred when we moved from the Civil Rights Act, and it took us people 50 years to figure out. Guess what they figured out? A dog and a cat has civil rights in this country. You have to have layman terms if you're going to be effectively speaking with people. May I add one thing to that? I was going to add one to that. I have been campaigning since the age of 17. And let me tell you something. A campaign staffer is like a teacher. You're overworked and you're underpaid. And unless you are the power that be or you're senior advisor of a presidential campaign, you're a small fish in a pond. You do it because you love what you do. You do it because you make a difference. And with all due respect, I've been doing this since I'm 17. And yes, since I'm 17, I hear the stories coming from seniors, coming from middle-aged people, coming from 20-year-olds, single mothers, single fathers, children's born in wedlock. I am telling you from my experience, the people who I have engaged through over the years and who I am continuing to engage as I am being a participant and always have been a participant in the sidelines. There's so mm-hmm. many people, so easy for them to criticize, but so many people have never actually fought in the sidelines. They right. have not made the sacrifices of sacrificing years of their lives or know mm-hmm. what's involved and the mechanisms involved behind the campaign and what it takes to get a candidate over the line and what the people are really feeling. Part of my mm-hmm. job is to go out to the communities and to ask the people in voter engagement, what is your story? Because they want to be heard. So mm-hmm. you, can, you can say from dusk to dawn what you believe in. I'm speaking to you from my experience and the voter engagement that I've had the honor and privilege and pleasure of serving my country and serving mm-hmm. my Americans and trying to do my best to make a difference. But I am Mm -hmm. not going to sit here and not speak something that is not the truth. If a voter Mm -hmm. tells me something, I am going to speak the truth of what that voter has stated or what the voters are thinking in a particular state that I've campaigned in because the Mm -hmm. truth deserves to be exposed, not the Mm -hmm. truth that we see fit or that fits our narrative. And the truth is, Latricia, I've encountered people with all the Robert, well, well, real quick, because we are running, we are running out of some time, uh, and I, I do, I got some. Because uh, you mentioned, you know, the the Trump, and I'll, I'll get you in, uh, Doctor Tolbert, but I do have a, 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 at least one clip I want to play uh, for you. It's it's only about three minutes, a little oh. over three minutes. So we got a little bit, a little more time than that, um, you know. But when we're talking about, you know, Trump, why did Trump win? And, and I went to many rallies. Uh, Trump rallies, and I've interviewed you know many folks, uh, and and now this one here is you know a rally where I interviewed a couple of millennials, and so you know let's let we'll we'll hear a few things from them, and I, I'll be honest, I can't even remember what they said. It's I mean this is back in October of 2016, so I've had this I mean this audio clip's over a year old, and so I don't know exactly what they're saying, but this is a, an, an interview I had from millennials who were there to Trump rally to support Donald Trump. Okay, we got a millennial here. Exactly. Uh, James? Yes. So why Trump? I mean, you know, this is the, the normal questions I'm going to be asking today, but yeah. we've got you here. Why Trump? Okay. So... And how old are you? I'm 18. Okay. The first time you're, you're 
voting, right? Yes. So why Trump? So in my honest opinion, he is, I mean, as you can see, he's been quite honest. There's been a lot of contra controversy surrounding him, but yet he he can't be bought, basically. And now what what's interesting to me is that Hillary Clinton, for years and years and years, has been bought by foreign interests. And that's also... Um, against the rules, you could say, for um, funding and a, a campaign. So, and he's actually, what I really like about Trump is that he's for the average American middle class citizens and not just their own interests. What I quite hate about Clinton, honestly, is how she, she's a liar, basically, and there's so much controversy, controversy surrounding um, I'm sorry, I'm not going to redo it. My, I'm running on so little sleep right now. Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, well, we'll, we'll go over to the school. You just, you know, you, you graduated high school or you're a senior in high school. Yes. How much of American government, how about, how much of politics are you seeing, actually being taught, I mean, the real history of our country, how, how much have you seen that taught in, in, in high school? Well, to a good extent, uh, right now I'm actually in, I, I'm taking a government class required for your senior year. Okay, good. And so we're, right now we're learning quite a lot about the elections and campaigns, funding, everything, like um, PACs, everything uh, revolving around that. So, I mean, you really don't know if what you're being taught in school is right or wrong. You're just taught it from a textbook and no questions asked. I mean, there's no real way to verify it, and the people that did witness true history back then, they're no longer around to tell you if it's true or false. Anyone could change small details over time, so you never really know. So, I mean, I highly encourage people to do a lot of research on their own before forming a real opinion, but um, it's quite interesting. Now in the modern day with the internet and um, so many special interest groups and um, there's just no real way of telling truth anymore without doing your own in-depth research, and that's what's kind of what kind of scares me about our generation right now. Do you ever feel like you're being indoctrinated there? I mean, I know, you, you, yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like indoctrination begins within the home and also the public school system. Um, in a way, you, you can't tell. I mean, it's all a part of a system that's been put in place by the government, pu public education. And they control the state controls public education. Each um, individual state controls that, so they can um, set any standard they want for ed education. Okay. Well, thank you. And you know, I, mean, I know I've got a couple others, but I won't play them tonight. We don't got a lot of time, uh, and so because I do have to close things out in probably about four minutes. And so let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Dr. Tolbert, and then uh, we'll do a couple minutes on that, and then we'll try to get uh, some closing comments from everyone, uh, just a few minutes for that, not even each person, but, you know, all together. Uh, and then I'll have to close things out for the night. And I really appreciate, uh, again, everyone for coming on. Uh, looking forward to having people next week. And, and one of the things I'd uh, uh, like to do, Latrice, is perhaps uh, have you come on and, and do an actual interview about your campaign uh, but of okay. course, because one of the things, as we state, is we are promoting uh, is to get grassroots candidates out there. Hopefully, somehow uh, get these shows uh, to the ears. And, and we've been successful in some ways uh, getting some of these shows and the information actually to Trump. Um, I, we we could go through examples such as you know about the electronic voter fraud things of that nature. 
which we talked about a lot on the show. And then uh, not, not far afterwards, you, you start hearing it on, you know, you know, the more national uh, television news. Uh, but mm-hmm. one of our goals is to, you know, get the ear of Trump where he can actually, as we said earlier, uh, get out the folk, you know, get out and actually support, you know, grassroots candidates and really clean the, uh, the swamp. If, you know, of course he can, uh, now he, with Renasi, I mean, he's been a representative before, but, um, and now running for Senate, uh, so we'll we'll see how grassroots he's well in the stretch himself. But let's go ahead. I know uh, Dr. Colbert, you want to make some comments. Go ahead, and then we'll have to do closing comments uh, very briefly, and then I'll have to close things up tonight. Go ahead, Dr. Colbert. I'm going to wrap it up into really a couple quick comments. One, we wrote the article, uh, was the United States founded on Christian doctrine? The 13 colonies were actually Christian colonies. They actually said in their bylaws and constitution, if you were not a Christian, you would not be allowed to run for a political office that are all of our major universities used to be Christian universities before they became atheists. The federal government closed down the church's rights, the assembly's rights to feed, clothe, and shelter and help the people in community. It's called social welfare and food stamps. Uh, Trump had a committee of 12 people that were all Christians behind his doctrine. Trump continually speaks that I am doing what God says. Trump has multiple times used the word that he supports Christian doctrine, that he supports Christianity, that he supports the movement of, of what we're doing, and that any candidate that is running as an atheist or thinks that they can rebuild America without God is part of what they're doing is taking you to that uh, Jesuit uh, Illuminati Mason movement. Uh, We wrote articles on the fact, how do you bring jobs home? It's called education, production, and defense. So yeah, you know, you got to be educated, you got to produce and you got to have defense. But the thing is that you got to go back to the Constitution. And mm-hmm. the mentioning of the fact that Congress at 26, if there's a tie, chooses the member, well, how about the fact that the president and the vice president aren't supposed to be on the same ticket? So if you go back and read the Constitution, yeah, it says you pick the president and you pick the senator. So Clinton could have been the vice president and Trump could have been the president. And they could have had a tie. So get rid of your no party. Get rid of your political parties. You get 10 people running. You get three people. You get a tie. Congress picks the president. Congress picks the vice president. So the entire avenue of the following of the Constitution is not being done. The fact that we were formed on a Christian, the fact that we have stopped our ministries from helping the people on the streets, The fact if you go up to a young black male today and ask him would they go to church and and get help or would they want to depend on the government, and they're going to tell you they're going to depend on the government, that takes you into a socialist and a communist nation. So that's all i got to say about it. And so let's go ahead and each person get a a few seconds uh, of some closing comments. and since we're on you, Dr. But you have any closing comments? And then Latricia, and then we'll get uh, to John, and then Joseph, uh, and then I'll have to close things out. But literally, I mean, each person probably get about 30 seconds for that. Go ahead. Uh, anything to add on that, uh, Dr. Tolbert? No, I'm I'm fine with where you're at now. Okay. Latricia, go ahead. Great... And I appreciate it. Thank you very much. 
uh, just because they're, they're in the interest of time. Go ahead, Latrice. And I just want to say thanks to everyone for, you know, this great conversation tonight as well, and I'm looking forward to uh, future conversations because it's, it's been very informative. Uh, Duffield, thank you very much. I would like to set up a time uh, if we can do, a, you know, an interview, talk about your uh, your campaign, you know, your stances on uh, separate issues, things of that nature. So definitely want to be able to do that. Uh, go ahead, John. Yes, I want to thank Joseph and uh, Miss Jones and, and Dr. Tolbert, everybody, for coming to the show. Anybody listening to this as a podcast later, every perspective is very important. I need to hear more from Joseph and Miss Jones and Mr. Tolbert because it all helps us all develop and grow. Back to you. Thank you very much, and we'll end the last uh, comment there with you, uh, Joseph, and then I'll have to close things up for tonight. I want to thank uh, everyone participating on this show. It truly is always an honor, privilege, and pleasure to come on this uh, show and get different perspectives. But the one thing I love about this show is we speak about uh, the important issues that are that are uh, concerning America. And, and, and what I love about your show, Robert, is we have all different people of all different perspectives, but each different perspective, like I agree with John, it, it makes your show unique in, in that you, you could truly say, and I've always said this, your show has never been one-sided. It's a show where people can come with different perspectives and just lay it out there in a civilized manner and have a vigorous debate uh, about the issues that are plaguing our country in the hopes that we can have a better tomorrow and a better future than today. And I thank uh, all my uh, colleagues and, and people who came on this show today, and I look forward to many more uh, wonderful interactions and participations on future shows. Have a blessed evening, everyone. I appreciate it, uh, Joseph. And, uh, yes, and that's why we call it the grassroots uh, We the People show, because it is uh, you folks. Uh, coming on that uh, does make this uh, such a wonderful show, and I appreciate it, and thank you. And so I will end tonight, as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. See you next time, folks. Take care, and good night. Mm-hmm.